Hey, welcome to the 216th episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Sometimes I talk about movies. Recently I talked about 1984's Dune. talked about uh, 2013, uh, Evil Dead. I just started talking about uh, All-Star Batman and Robin. Ooh, the boy wonder. <laughs> so that's something. You got uh, ish, So he started that last week. Ish 2 is going to be this week, and we'll see how far we get with that. It is uh, very interesting revisiting that series. <laughs> but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. This week is a uh, movie feature is Halloween Kills, so you can hear about that. There's also a new Aquaman animated uh, show started on HBO Max, and I think it's on Cartoon Network also. Uh, Aquaman King of Atlantis. Doom Patrol's Great Titans. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow's back with season seven, even though it's been like a month since the last season. Got Stargirl. Oh, Chucky started this week, so you can hear about I'll, t- I'll talk about that first episode. Uh, the second episode is actually this week as you, as you listen. And uh, Why the Last Man, and I'm going to talk about Squid Game because I, I finally saw that. So I know I'm, I'm a couple weeks. I'm just going to go briefly. I'm not. I'm not going to go like. I'm not even go like episode by episode. Just, just kind of just super quick thoughts on that and so forth. And then we also have a fandom this week, so we'll see. Uh, there might be a little tricky as I record this, so I might have to do some some editing magic or something. But we'll see how how it goes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's get started with the news that we have. Big news in in uh, comics. So we're, we're actually. Gonna, I, I guess I'll do start off with comic news because there's there's a few different things. The big news is Jonathan Kent, Superman and Lois's son, is a uh, going to be bisexual or is bisexual. Now, <laughs> what I meant by going to be, I, I just real. I, I I just reread a, a, something just a, a few minutes ago. My intention was like, okay, when the heck is this happening? Because the news came out on last Monday, so I was like, "Oh, is it?" But there's no Kal-el, you know, or son of Super- what's the series called? Super Son of Superman, Son of Kal, Superman, Son of Kal-el. I think that's what it is the the Tom Taylor book. And I was like, "Is that's not out this week, is it?" Because of course it's like you know New York Times article Mondays, and this is how a lot of the big spoilers happen. It's like you read about it, you read spoilers before the issue is even out. I understand why they do that because, you know, you, you hear you know, different people are hearing the news, people who don't normally read comics or really frequent sites that focus on, on comic news. But then the problem is, I would imagine this is so frustrating for comic store owners because then, you know, people want to go and check this out. So they visit their local comic shop, which is great. Awesome. You know, new people coming in and checking things, but then they're like, Hey, do you have this you know issue where this crazy thing happened? And, and I don't mean this is crazy. I just meant in general, like big, when this big comic news, whatever happened. And then they might be like, uh, yeah, sorry. I don't, I only order 
the comics for the people who have it on their pull list and, and I maybe order a few extra copies, those are already gone. And then, you know, they say, but I could reorder it and, you know, you can get it like in a week or two. I don't even know how long it takes. And then they might be like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then, then you'll never see them again. So it, it's got to be frustrating, you know, when, when that happens. Anyways, but focusing on, on the news itself. So Jonathan Kent is going to be by, and again, I keep saying is going to be because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I actually, I don't know if I said it out loud, but I, I told my buddy Rich, I was like, there was this one panel when I was like, Jonathan is going to be gay. Just watch. He's, he's next. And, um, and it, it came out to be true. And so there's this character, Jade Nakamura, who is a reporter conveniently. So it's like something about the Kent boys and reporters, I guess. So there's this dude and, uh, they became friends, and you know, you, you can just tell that there, there's something going on there. And there hasn't been anything official aside from this one panel where I was like, is that what they're trying to tell us? Is there some, some stare going on here? Is there, is there some connection happening or something like that? And again, I guess there was. So the big thing is talking to different people, and some people are... I had this Facebook conversation Kind of because someone's like, oh, here we go. You know what? The good old days when you know, you know, what are all this stuff? And at first, I was like, okay, are you even reading the news? Because you know, a lot of people are like, Superman is is gay. Superman's bisexual, and then you know, it's all clickbait. Because even though Jonathan is going to become Superman, you know, he is going to be Superman. Some, a lot of outlets are saying the latest Superman, which is a little, little more accurate, but still a little you know, misleading, trying to get people to, what the heck is going on? Because, you know, the people who are just so anti-whatever. So, yeah, there's this conversation. It really pissed me off. And and I, I'm not I'm not trying to call out anyone. And I don't want anyone to say, you know, because, like, some of my other Facebook friends started, like, hey, what are you talking about, you know, and so forth. So I don't want any any attacks or whatever. But I was just like, no, I'm not just going to say, you're, you're posting on my Facebook. I was like, there's nothing wrong with this. And... Because the, the comments were saying about how normal is is seeing is being bad or something like that. I was like, how is this not normal? You know, if someone is is bisexual or gay or whatever, and I, again, I don't mean to whatever in a bad way. I was like, that's normal. That, that's not non or anti normal or whatever you want to say. So it just it, that, that kind of pissed me off. And and I you know don't normally argue with people online or anything like that because. My whole thing is, if I know the facts, or if I'm pretty sure I know I'm right, I may try to educate someone, but I'm not going to just, there, there's no point, especially when some people are like very hardcore in their stance on things. You know, I, I, I'm, it's, not, it's not really my job to convince people. And you know, maybe I have a, a civic duty or whatever you know, with my position and whatever influence or you know, sway I, I may have. You know, and and I'll, I'll voice things. You know, I've talked about. You know, I I still believe in wearing a mask. I still believe in in uh, getting the vaccine. You know, get, I I got my booster shot. I think I mentioned that. You know, but again, if someone doesn't believe that, that's that's their choice. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna you know go against that. But if you are like anti bisexual or anything like that, keep it into yourself. You you can't promote you know push your your agenda on other people or like saying like oh you can't do this just like i don't think necessarily 
bisexual or gay people would would try to push it on on a straight person like hey you gotta try this you know you might like it you never know you know it's it's not like that and and that's what what is it's that's what it's like when when straight people are trying to tell people you can't be gay that's not normal you weren't born with it that's just a bunch of crap because you you will never see a gay person telling, hey, you can't be straight. That's not right. You know, you should be more accepting, more love for everyone. <laughs> and, you know, I, I say that because, you know, you, you have more options. If, if, you, if you like guys and girls, you know, you, you're not, you're, you're extending the playing field, as they say, or whatever. Am I making any sense here? So how do I feel about Jonathan Kent being bisexual? It's kind of like a double-edged sword or whatever. I think it's great. It's fantastic. You know, I, I saw a couple comments from, you know, some people are like, this is great. You know, I can relate to this and, you know, this, uh, you know, everything like that. It, uh, is it forced um, in- inclusion, diversity, forced diversity? Maybe. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say. We used to have, you know, days of just white dudes, you know, in, in comics. All, all the characters were white dudes. You, you hardly even had, you didn't even have that many women characters. You know, it was mostly white dudes. So it's great that we have something for everyone. You know, I still say we don't, we don't seem to have a lot of Latino or Latinx. We're, I guess we're slowly, we got some here and there. Again, that's not like my main thing. When I grew up, it's not like I need someone that looks, you know, the same exact skin shade as me. That wasn't for me. But I get that this is important for someone else. And it shouldn't be something that's hidden. My problem and it's not really a problem, but whenever you have, and I, I've mentioned this before and I don't really want to harp on it, but whenever there is a gay couple in comics, they are like, it seems like 99% of the time they're depicted as, as kissing, making out or holding hands. And that just seems like a bit, it seems like you're really trying to push it saying, hey, look, these characters are gay because they're kissing or they're staring at each other in the eyes. Yet, if you have another couple you know, like like even take Green Arrow and Black Canary. You know, they they got like quite the thing for each other, but you don't really see. I'm I'm trying to think the last time we've seen them even kissing or hugging. You know, you, we know they we they like each other. We know they're together, but it's like we don't really see that. Uh, you know, a whole lot. Yeah, I, I mentioned uh, like the the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it was Guardians of the Galaxy issue the other day where, you know, the battle is won, everything. They're all hanging out at the space bar and everything. Oh, wait, look, there's Wiccan and Hulkling. They didn't say a single word in this entire comic. The only time the appearance, they're sitting in a booth making out. You know, but then you could argue, I think it was one of the issues of Superman or whatever. You know, there is Superman and Lois, because Superman's about to leave Earth. And so he took takes Lois flying and then they're, they're kissing up, up in the sky. Okay. But there's like it. Most of the time, you see them. They're they're not doing that. There's no like in, intimate or physical contact. But you know, whatever. You know, you get get what I'm saying. So with uh with Jonathan, the thing is similar to Tim Drake. You know, there there was really no hints of it before, and I guess the difference with Jonathan is he is a newer character. You know, he's a younger character. The only uh relationship that he's been in you know i don't and i don't even know the full extent of it but there was something between him and saturn girl in legion of superheroes maybe it was just a kiss i don't know if they just hung out or whatever if it got any further because you know i kind of stopped reading that series so that's a little different you know and 
Jonathan, while he's younger, because, you know, he he should, I wish he was still young and not, not for the sake of the story or anything, but I love the Jonathan, you know, super sons, Jonathan and Damien. And, you know, he was aged and now, you know, he's older, whatever. So he, he's still a relatively newer character and that's fine to, he's still exploring things. So it, it's not that, that it's not the same as with Tim Drake, who we've had for decades and then now suddenly out of nowhere, I'm trying to think, has there ever been any indication or anything like that? And maybe it's something he didn't know. Again, I cannot speak on this and it could be something where maybe someone just kind of struggles with it, you know, trying to figure out their identity. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, this is something that I've been like denying, you know, to myself, but this is really how I feel. So, you know, all, all that is fine and everything like that, but it just feels like they're doing it just to do it. Again, it's good in the way that they're doing it because it should be done. There should be characters. The, the important thing is, you know, the, does it feel right? Are there important stories and, and so forth? I just wonder, is it going to be, become a main focus of the series? You know, or is it just, you know, because does your sexual, you know, that, that, that's a big question. Does a person's sexual orientation define a character? Not necessarily. I mean, it does in a, in a, in a way, but it, it should also be that, you know, this is still the same character. This is still a character that's becoming Superman. And, you know, he's still be fighting bad guys. It doesn't matter who he wants to kiss or hold hands with at the end of the day or whatever. So we'll see what happens. But has I re- have I really been talking about it that long? So it's, it's, it seems like I've been going on. So we'll see what, what happens. But I mean, good news for, you know, for diversity. You know, I, I think it is important. The thing is, if you absolutely, for whatever reason don't approve don't like it don't support the book tom taylor has has been doing an awesome job i don't think he's ever done wrong i i have faith in him and with where where the story and the character is going to go but if it's not your thing don't don't read it don't buy it and you know support it with your dollar if you're not reading comics then it shouldn't matter what they do because you're not reading comics so it's kind of like you can't really complain if, if you're you're not part of it Maybe, you know, and the same thing is like if in the the Flash TV show, if all of a sudden, you know, Barry Allen, you know, just don't watch the show, you know, support it that way or, you know, don't support it that way. So that's what I say, but we'll see. Um, there are other kind of DC news and there may be more later. This is going to be a long news segment this week. Uh, Chip Zdarsky is going to be doing Batman the Night. I think it's like a 10 issue series with Carmine uh, D. Jan Gian. Demo Bonico Gian Domenico. I don't know. I used to be able to say his name, and for some reason, I'm I, struggling, majorly struggling. This, and I'm trying to go, I got to go faster with the news. Okay, so this is going to fill in the gaps. This is kind of, I think they refer to it as kind of like Batman Begins or whatever, angry, damaged Bruce Wayne. Part of me is like, do we really need that? And yeah, I don't have to read it, but I kind of feel like I do for the, for the show. But because it's Chip Zdarsky, I, I feel like you know it's it's worth reading. Chip Starcy has been doing great. Other, and also, back before I jump over to Marvel, Catwoman is getting new creative team. Thank goodness they're not relaunch. I, I, when I first heard it, I thought they were relaunching the series, uh, but it's uh, continue. It's starting up with issue I think thirty nine. It's going to be uh, Teeny Howard and Nico Leon uh, working on that. Also with uh, DC, I forgot to mention this. DC has been allowing press to get early reads on, on some comics. We can't write reviews about it, but we can share our our thoughts. So 
I, I guess that's, I can do that here. It's always, you know, I always want to play by the rules and, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose early access to anything. So, I, you know, I'm always careful. But I, I did get to read uh, The Human Target, the Tom King and, and uh, Greg Smallwood. And, oh, man, Greg Smallwood. I was called Savage, Savage Smallwood. That's his, his uh, online, his that's his Instagram. I think it's his, his Twitter also. I love his art. His art, his colors, so amazing. I mean, that alone is reason to to get this book. Human Target. I've never been a huge Human Target fan. You know, like when they even did a TV show, it was okay. You know, it was it was kind of interesting. So you know, I, I'm not overly invested with the character, and I you know I'm a little concerned when it comes to Tom King with with, with you know stuff that he does. But it was it was an interesting book. You know. I, I shouldn't really say much. I don't remember what the solicit says and stuff. Lex Luthor is in the first issue. I'm pretty sure that was was mentioned. So it's it's. I'm definitely hooked. I'm I'm, I'm interested. So I'll, I'll be reading that. So I'll I'll talk more about that when it comes out. I also read the first um, Cliff Chiang Catwoman series. I think I had access. I didn't read the second one. They were actually allowing that, which was really cool. So hopefully I can still read that. But the first one, it's you know, it's a uh, an older Catwoman. And um, his his art, I I love Cliff's art. It's just really really great, and it's an interesting setup and everything because it it is something different. And I think that's important to you know do something like that and just you know take a chance and experiment and you know see what what happens. So keep an eye out for those two. Um, jumping over to Marvel, and and just as I record, uh, my other computer might jump on i hit restart and it's doing this like long update so hopefully it, it was like starting to it was like the fan was going so i was like oh i should probably restart it i don't know if that picked up on, on the mic so just whatever going back to chip zadarsky so they've announced a daredevil woman without fear series so Elektra has been Daredevil for a while, or not a while, but for a little, little bit. And in, in the Daredevil comics, says Matt Murdock, Daredevil went to jail as Daredevil, which is kind of unprecedented, but it's kind of weird, but uh, also interesting. But he, um, it, it almost felt like okay, maybe Elektra's time is coming to an end. You know, Daredevil is going to come out of jail. And he's going to return to the streets or whatever. But it sounds like Electra's thing. And I, I kind of like the idea. I like her. I, I don't know if that made a noise there on my computer. Uh, I, I kind of like the look of of Electra, you know, with the Daredevil costume and like the long hair flowing and kind of like the scarf that she wears. And so I'm, I'm all for this. I just wonder what this means for Matt Murdock. And, you know, are we going to have two Daredevils? Why not? You know, we, we potentially have, well, we kind of have three Spider-Mans uh, as we... Yeah, with, with all that. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And then the artist is Rafael de la Torre, who is a Black Widow artist. So what's that mean for Black Widow then? So I, because I love that series. We'll have to see. Uh, the other Marvel news Ron Mars and Ron Lim are returning to Silver Surfer. So that's cool. With, with some of these like flashback comics, you know, like the X Men Legends and everything, because, you know, Chris Claremont is going to be um, doing a, a Nightcrawler story in X-Men Legends. Some of the X-Men Legends stories have been cool and everything, but it, they they do kind of feel a little dated, even though, I, I don't know, I, I'm not really sure how to how I, you know, describe that. It, it, you know, it is going, jumping back to a certain period and, and, you know, continuing whatever plot thread there. 
So with Silver Surfer, when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, we're going back. But then I, I was thinking, it's like, man, I really loved that Silver Surfer run. I mean, when, you know, Ron Myers and Ron Lim, I just remember, I mean, I love Ron Lim's art. You know, it's around the time of like Infinity, you know, Gauntlet and everything like that. His art was just so good and the stories are so interesting and it's just so epic. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with Silver Surfer because I'm lately with Silver Surfer, I, I just can't really get excited for him. You know, he's gone through some changes like the, the when he turned black and all that stuff. I ended up like not even reading that that digital comic because I was just like, eh. So we'll see, but. Um, I'm excited for that. That hopefully that's going to be cool and exciting. What I'm also excited for is the Moon Knight series on Disney Plus. So Oscar Isaac was talking a little bit about it, and he said that Moon Knight was, you know, he he said that when he came on, you know, he told Kevin Feige, he's like, hey, I have a lot of ideas and stuff like that. You don't want to listen to him, that's fine. But you know, here we go, and you know, so you know, there there's a lot of talking, and he said that it was the biggest workload I ever had in my career and most challenging by the sheer amount of stuff we had to do in eight months. But like, that's not a bad thing. Cause he's like, you know, despite that, he's like, I couldn't wait to get to the set and work, you know, every day. He was like really excited for it. So that's interesting that this is like the most challenging. And I guess cause you know, he, there's just a lot of, a lot of, lot to Moon Knight, you know, there's the different aspects of your personality and everything like that. So I guess that's what it, what it has to, has to deal with. So um, still, we don't have a, a, a release date on that. Fingers crossed. Fingers are crossed. That this, I'm going to love this. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, they announced that Adam Warlock is going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So Will Poulter is going to be playing the character. He was in um, he was in Detroit, Midsummer, uh, Maze Runner, and Bandersnatch. So I'm trying to think, was that... I, I, I've watched Bandersnatch so many times to try to get all the different endings and everything like that. So I'm trying to think if that's that same, if he's the main kid. I think he was. So we'll see what's going to happen. Um, you know, speaking of Adam Warlock, that goes back to around that, that era as well. So we'll see. I, I have no idea what to ex- even expect in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But I'm sure James Gunn will, will do him justice and do an awesome job but i just really don't after what happened with ego i just i don't know what to expect so we'll see uh there's been a bunch of eternal teasers i haven't watched any of those because i'm just like the movie's coming out in just a few weeks i i've seen all i need to see you know i'm excited after like it was a second trailer or something like that so i, I don't need to see anything more because i i want it to you know be be new when i see it in, in the theaters hawkeye disney plus uh, show, I don't know if this. I think I, I didn't look this up to try to confirm my my confusion, but I think maybe the show has moved back a week. It's coming out on November twenty fourth. I felt felt like it was earlier, it was before that, but uh, maybe maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, so it's coming out on November twenty fourth, and they're gonna drop two episodes. Oh, why are you doing this to me? But it's it'll be on Wednesday, so that, that that's fine. I'll be able to watch it before the weekend, so I can record. <laughs> that that of course that's you know that's my big concern is is being able to record. And uh, let's see what else do we have. Uh, Tom Holland, he's talking about No Way Home being like the end of a trilogy, and he was saying that you know like a lot of the things that they're doing. He said it just felt like it was like the end of a fran- franchise. I saw like one clickbaity article where like Tom Holland's not sure if he'll ever return to the role. It's like, no, he's, he's got his contract. You know, he's supposed to be doing, if he wasn't, I almost spoil something. If he wasn't returning to the role, why would they tease something somewhere? (laughs) 
if you know what I'm talking about. I, I won't go into further detail. But he said that, you know, if they're lucky enough to dive into the characters again, it's 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 going to be like different versions or like just totally that the movies, the, the, the films are going to change. So what does that mean? We don't know. So we'll, we'll have to have to see. But yeah, I mean, I, I hope he's he's around for, for a bit in the role because, you know, he's been doing a good job. And then uh, He-Man, what, Masters of the Universe Revelation. It, it, we left on a cliffhanger, and it's going to be coming back on November 23rd. So we can find out what's going to happen and uh, how nutty are, are things going to get from here. All right, with the fandom stuff. Um, so I'll admit, I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was actually kind of watching it as I was recording uh, the rest of the podcast. So I'm circling back with this. Um, it didn't seem like there was that much t- to get me excited as, as like last last year. I remember last year like watching the whole thing and everything like that, and and maybe it's because I was a little distracted. But anyways, um, the first thing of note was a Peacemaker trailer. That actually, I, I'm excited for that. That it looks looks like it's going to be fun, and um, the it it looks like it's a continuation, you know, or just you know we get the character John Cena from you know Suicide Squad, and now he's you know get to do his own thing and kind of you know flush the character out some more. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. So you can check that trailer out. That's starting up on January 13th. So I, I think that's really cool. I love the fact that Warner Brothers is taking character from a movie and then making a series, you know, HBO, HBO Max miniseries or whatever you want to call it, you know, it's connected to it. So I think this is brilliant that we're at that, in this day and age, that we have this, that we have that immediate, you know, tie-in. That That's really cool. <laughs> One of the things with Superman, they're, they're talking about, you know, they, they, they mentioned um, the, the Jonathan Kent thing and everything like that and just where Superman's at. They talk about the... Um, upcoming story i think it was action comics 1036 i could be wrong with that where they're going to start the story of superman going out in space you know trying to liberate of of species you know group of people who have some sort of connection to krypton fighting for their right because you know they're being held captive by mongol and, and war world and whatever all this stuff like that but they also they want to change the superman motto so now it's going to be truth justice and a better tomorrow uh, yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. You know, truth, justice, and American way. It doesn't have, why is it just American way better tomorrow? I'm fine with that. It's a little cheesy, but I, I think it is good. It, it, it's fine. Uh, we saw a little bit about um, Batman Cape Crusader. So this is the animated sh- uh, show with Bruce Tim, the created by Bruce Tim or whatever, J.J. Abrams. And um, so... Basically, Bruce Timm was talked about how with the original Batman animated series, you know, as, as much as they got to do and everything like that, there were limitations, like in terms of violence and stuff like that, stuff that they, they couldn't do. So this is basically like the same thing, but with more freedom, I guess, so they, they can do more things. And they really want to kind of strip strip things back. You know, have you know, Batman is alone. There's no no Justice League. Um, he doesn't have. You know, he's going to be really low tech in the beginning. So we're actually going to see him building the stuff like Batmobile, like different prototypes and stuff like that. And then you know, I guess little by little, he's going to be you know adding more to his arsenal. And and uh, Bruce Tim mentioned that that he is Batman. That that's who he is. Bruce Wayne is the mask. So he is Batman. That's you know, Bruce Wayne. He created that persona. 
So, you know, I, I think it's really cool when when creators focus on that aspect, that that's who he is. And, and you know, that's how it should be. It, that looks like it, it could be really cool. So I'm excited for that. We had a, a trailer for Young Justice Phantoms, right? Uh, actually, they, they, they showed the you can look online. You can see the first four minutes of, of the, the show. I So this is a, a good series. Um, I... I'm excited, but I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm as excited as I should be because I know once it starts up, I'll, I'll enjoy it. And it's just it's quality. It's it's top notch stuff. I mean, it's so consistent. It's so good. I I can express how thankful I am that the show came back because when it ended, man, it was like such a bummer. And so it was great that it, it's it's still going on. So we we get a return to these characters, and it. I feel like the show is very ambitious in a lot of ways, just the way it keeps you know jumping forward and moving things along and allowing the characters to evolve and change. So I think that that's really good. There was a, a trailer for Catwoman Hunted, so it's an original uh, you know animated movie. So I think that that's cool. The, the styles, it's it's kind of what you'd expect. There's, it's a little different in some ways. So that that's going to be fun to watch. And um, the big one, the big thing they they ended. You know, there there's there, I'm sure there was stuff about like. I mean, there's there's there was stuff about Shazam and Black Adam. I kind of wasn't really watching it. I just had it on my other screen, as a, so I didn't was didn't listen to any of that. But um, I'm sure there, there's some some cool stuff there. But they ended it with the trailer for the Batman. So that's like the one and only thing that I posted on EntertainmentFish.com because like recording the podcast and then you know I want to start editing and and just other stuff. Just try to relax for a weekend. I got papers to grade. Uh, it's a trailer. I, I'm I'm so excited. I, I can't remember last time. Oh oh, I forgot to mention there was a trailer for Flashpoint for the Flash. It was fine. I'm I'm not I'm not super excited for that. I, yeah, it's gonna be great to have Michael Keaton Batman back. We get hints of it, of him there, and you know hint of the Black Batmobile. I'm just not that that excited just yet. Once I watch it, it'll probably or I'm sitting in a theater watching a movie. I'm sure it'll be different. But at this point, I'm not that excited. But for the Batman, I am so crazy excited for this. I can't wait. I think Robert Pattinson is going to kick ass in this. I mean, he is such a great actor. And, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Twilight, whatever. It's like, no, like, just just stop with that. Watch some of his other stuff. I mean, he's he's done other stuff. I mean, even like The Lighthouse. I mean, just, I, I, I've been wanting to watch that movie again because it's just like such a weird and, and cool movie. But this is going to be a good movie. I think Matt Reeves is just doing a great job, just just to hold everything that he's done to set up and what we're seeing in these trailers. I mean, if this is any indication of what we're going to get, I am super excited for for this. I I, I can't can't tell you. And uh, Zoe Kravitz as a Catwoman is is going to be great. Um, yeah. So so if and I I feel like there's not much I can say about the trailer. It's like you just got to watch a trailer. And, you know, I, I know I kind of mentioned that when I, I did an article post, because what I, I'm seeing lately is like when you see these articles, like some sites, they it's like you, just give me the, the information. They do like this full, huge like essay, like the history of everything. It's, it's like I don't need to know to Bruce Wayne, you know, his parents were shot in an alley and then, you know, he decided to make a vengeance and then he trained, you know, as an example, I, I don't, I'm hoping no one did that, but it's like, you kind of get this whole big long thing. It's like, I don't need this all this bad. I'm not getting paid. I don't, I'm not getting paid to post on entertainment fish, obviously, but it's almost like you're getting paid by the word. It's like, no, just bam, just give me what I want. 
here's a trailer. <laughs> I'm not going to do an analysis. I'm not going to do, here's 30 screen grabs from the movie. Because you can watch that. You, you can, you're more incapable. Yeah, some people want to know, is like, okay, did I miss anything? Are there any Easter eggs? What did this weird statue in the background, did that mean something? So I, I get that. But I, I want to give the audience credit where I don't feel you need someone to hand, you know, it's a spoon feed you all this, this information. There is an importance for it. I'm not saying it's it's not good or anything like that. I just, yeah, I just don't want to do it. So, I'm not, and that's the other thing. It's like, just watch the trailer. And, you know, instead of reading something, just watch it a second time, watch it a third time. And, you know, you'll, you'll see things. Um, so I think it's really cool. So watch the trailer. I cannot wait for that to come out for, for, ne- for next year, March, man. It's going to be good. And that is going to be the news for this week. All right, with comic books, what I realized after I recorded, I don't know how he did it, I totally forgot to, I'm pretty sure, I don't think I talked about Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number one, by Rick Remender and Andre Arahu. Uh, this was so it's a new new it's a new Rick Remender book so I'm like of course I'm going to read it and and Andre's art I'm, I've always been a fan of his art I mean he's just he's got this really great style I mean I don't even know how to describe it it's it's, it's just really cool and it's so so funny it's like I wrote comics for a living and there's so many times I can't describe things uh, so it's a new series I have no idea where this is going but it's 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 a, a good setup and there's a nice hook um, the the synopsis is when an unassuming man stumbles upon a dark web contract assassin's vicious plot to kill an innocent target he turns himself into one the professional meets road to perdition and the story of a family's unlikely guardian being hunted by rich and powerful men who are used to getting away with everything so it's definitely so again this was out on October 6th you should definitely check it out it's it's really really great book and uh, I, I think it's really cool I, I can't wait to to see where this is going to go um, as far as uh, this week's D, uh, DC books so that Jules Verne Lighthouse the trade paperback came out I read the first I think couple issues it was it was interesting everything and then it just I just kind of started start losing interest a little bit, and that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So it might be I, – I would read what it's about. You might be um, interested in that because, you know, there, there was some, some, some cool things about that. Um, Ordinary Gods number four came out. I don't think I read the, the third issue. I love Kyle Higgins' writing, you know, like everything he does. But there's something about this. I don't know what it was, and I, I think – I think it came down to it where it might have been a week where I was just like overwhelmed with everything that I had to read and then maybe I didn't give it a fair shake. So I, I think I just need to go back and and just, you know, jump back into the third reread the third issue or the second issue or I don't know. But uh, the fourth issue came out, so that's one that you might be interested in. So it's worth checking out. Trover says the universe issue 3. I I I not I didn't read the second issue because I, I don't I really know anything about these characters with the game or anything like that. But that's something you might like. And then six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton issue five. I love this book. This book is I don't even know what I'd say. It's very charming, which maybe is not not the best way to describe it. It's just <laughs> I I just it's it's delightful even though it's not a delightful book. You know it's it's got this great. It's it's kind of like a more cartoony style, but I mean, there's it's it's an action comic. There's a lot of violence. So I, you know, I talk about this every, every week. You know, there's a this huge a hole action star. There's a jerk to everyone. He, he gets killed or dies, and his uh, six of his former like sidekick like in TV shows and stuff like that. Like a lot of them were kids at the time. 
they're like kind of got together and they're trying to figure out like what happened, even though he was a big jerk to him. And there's like some big cover up and just all this craziness. It's just it's such a weird and wacky and just really awesome book. So I, I, I can't I can't praise this enough that I really think everyone should be reading this. And if you haven't been, you've been missing out. Uh, I think the next issue next or next month is is the the final one. The trade will be coming out, but you you really should read this because I I just love all these characters and it's just it's such a such a cool book. Um, I didn't read anything at IDW or Boom. Wait, was uh when did uh when did Chicken Devil come out? I think did I already talk about that? Was that see now I can't even keep track. I can't remember if that was this week or last week. Oh, that was was that this week? Wait. Chicken Devil Mask Variant. I think that came out last week. You know, yeah, no, I did talk about it last week. Okay, so I'm looking at the previews list and uh, Mask Variant. That's kind of kind of cool. I guess the, the cover is like supposed to be a mask that you can cut out and put on. So you have that. So read uh, Chicken Devil if you haven't if you haven't picked it up yet. So you, you should should check that out. At Comicsology, Comicsology Original was uh, Clear by Scott Snyder and Francis Manipal. I'm trying to think, did Scott Snyder put out, did he release another um, Comixology book? I might not have read that yet, but I did read Clear. It's it's really cool. How is it described? It's it's a, it's like a, a, a future, um, It's what year was it? Like 2050 or something like that? It's a sci-fi mystery thrill ride into a strange dystopian future where neurological internet connection is transforming reality. Uh, that's all it really says. It's 2052. And um, it, it's a cool book, but Francis Manipal's art and colors are just amazing. And it's it's intriguing because, you know, a lot of these people are, like, taking this kind of, like, this drug thing that's, like, giving them, like, these uh, fantasy realities. And then some people are, like, you know, just getting so hung up on it and, like, losing sense of what it, what is reality and what's not and, and so forth. You know, they're just – it's a drug, basically. And so this this guy is like this sort of like a detective and, you know, working different cases and, and stuff like that. A lot of it surrounds this drug thing. And then there's this like other story. And I, I don't want to give, you know, anything away here. But, you know, there, there's this other aspect that is like kind of playing like through throughout. And then um, at the end, there's just like, whoa, like, wh- what does this mean? Like, what's what's going on here? So it's it's definitely it's 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 a, a very that that hook at the end. That's what really got me. You know, the main story is like, yeah, this is interesting. And, you know, you know, with Francis' art, of course, it's, it's it's amazing and, you know, captivating and all that. But then the little hook at the end is like, wait, what what could this possibly mean? And that's where I'm like, okay, I need to read this next issue now. So you should check that out. Um, and again, it's on Comixology. Um, it will be, I, I think, uh, with the Scott's uh, books, they are going to be going to print eventually, like through Dark Horse, um, but I don't even know if there's a release date for that. Okay, the other comics, Strange Adventures issue twelve came out, so this is a conclusion. I almost <laughs> trying to think of like how did the issue eleven end? Twelve wraps things up and everything. It's a conclusion. It was fine. Uh, I don't really have much to say about it, and part of it is. You know, I'm I'm not a huge Adam Strange fan, so I know things were shaken up and like basically like who the character is, like his to his core, like with motivations and just stuff like that. So I I and I haven't even tried looking up if if anyone's been bothered or applauding or anything like that. I, I feel like some big bold moves have been made, 
about him and uh okay you know but like who is adam strange who is alana and you know what 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 happened what went down so there's been some some cool things i've liked mr terrific's role he's another character i'm not like the biggest uh mr terrific fan my problem with mr terrific is i don't even know when he first came on the scene i I should look at out of curiosity i should see when was he first created I feel like he just kind of came out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, like he's this like ultra character who's like one of the smartest dudes around, and you know he can do all these awesome th- things. You know, he's this, this great fighter, and he's got his little you know T spheres, and I just feel like he just was like thrust upon us like this like top tier character, and I'm like, wait, who is this character? But he, I really liked him here. I, th- I thought the way he he was used here, like th- his his job in the comic, you know. He kind of took over for Batman, like an investigation of like what went down, and I I just think how he handled things and just how he was depicted. So I really like that. I re- I really like what what Tom King did with him, and you know I can't really compare it to very you know many other things because I haven't read a whole lot. You know there was that that one book, the what was it? The Impossibles? I don't remember what it was that he was just in, but. Yeah, so that's the end of the issue, and amazing, gorgeous art. So that that's been been great. Batman Urgent Legends this week, I I wasn't super crazy about it. There was a, a Batwoman story, which was, it's a Fear State tie-in, and apparently her sister, Beth, is kind of cured or whatever, you know, but she's getting these flashes of being Red Alice, so I don't really know what, what's been going on there. And then there was an Outsider story, uh, what else was there, the Professor Pig which I, I just don't care for Professor Pig. And there's an Azrael story, which uh, that was fine. I mean, you know, maybe we're going to see more of, of Azrael. You know, I think that might have been setting some things up. But I, it just, I, I wasn't like blown away by this week's issue. Like n- maybe, I don't know. It was just the characters that were chosen. It was like, it was nothing really like super exciting for me. So just me personally. Joker issue eight. Uh, this was uh, there. We get a lot of Lady Bane. Is that what we're calling her? And uh, so there's a lot of stuff between her and and you know you don't mess with her. I mean she's she really lays it down that you know she'll be vicious and and it's kind of cool in a way. Uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about the character. I I, I do I, I find her interesting. It is kind of weird, like you know her outfit or whatever. But I I like that you know we have this female character but it's not like your typical female character because she is ripped you know she's like <laughs> that's that's how i describe her her look and i so i think that's that's cool because in some ways you, you kind of feel like wonder woman should look like like that but some people like that much muscle definition some people don't so it would be i don't know if wonder woman was like that but then you look at like Wonder Woman, like like She Hulk. You know, they're supposed to be these really strong characters, but they don't have all the muscle. You know, the, the guys are always ripped. You know, ripped in a half, if that makes sense. What I just ripped in a half. They're they're so ripped. It's just like they're like yeah, whatever. Um, so Lady Bane is she's fleshed out a, a bit more here with her her just like who she is, uh, what her story is, and what her motives are. So there's some some pretty pretty interesting things with her. 
Uh, and we'll, we'll have to, you know, see what's going to happen here. And why, why does she care about Joker, you know, or killing Joker or anything with Joker? So there's some interesting things. And then that we have the backup, the continued punchline in Harper Row. So there's some, some cool things there. Ooh, I just realized Future State issue six. I did. Oh, I, man, I didn't read that. Uh, it's the penultimate chapter, All Out War, Jason Todd, now known as Peacekeeper Red, must join forces with the next Batman to defeat new supervillain warmonger. As much as I despise, not really despise, as much as I don't like the future state books, I really like Gotham, this this series. So it's it's weird that, that I'm enjoying that book, but I do need to read that. I also realized I didn't read Justice League Last Ride. So this is like the kind of near future book where, you know, things went down, like a justice league member was killed and there's this conflict between Superman and Batman over what happened and and all that. So I need to read that. And then Superman authority issue four came out and I'm just kind of losing interest in the story, uh, even though it's amazing art, you know, Mikhail Janin blue and gold issue three. It's, it's, it's been good. And it's, Part of it is because like Booster is like such a such a dork, and you know he just messes things up. So it's like seeing these these bumbling heroes trying to be heroes, and so that that's fine. Um, Batman eighty nine issue three. It starts off with like you know we're, we're seeing like uh, Harvey Dent. You know there's this fire, and he saves Tim Drake or not Tim Drake. Drake. It's supposed to be like Tim Drake. I don't know if he's really Tim Drake. Uh, I think I think his name might be Drake something. And uh, and then it like jumps to, like a year later, so it's like wait what, and like all this stuff's going on, but then you you, you hear more about it. So see, I don't want to spoil too much. What do they say here? As the fire rages at Royal Auto, Harvey Dent is trapped inside, unconscious and in danger. Can Bruce Wayne get to Harvey in time, or will the district attorney leave burned in more leave burned in more ways than one? Yeah, so there's there's some developments with with Harvey Dent, so I don't want to give anything away too. But it's been a, a fun comic. Pennyworth issue three came out. I still haven't read issue two. I I, I was I did like the first issue, but I have to read that. Um, I am Batman number two came out. I don't know how I'm feeling about this book, and uh, yeah, so I I need to I need to read that. But I just I didn't feel like reading it this week. Uh, the Un- Titans United number two. This has been okay. My my main problem is that it's like out of continuity, which shouldn't matter. But you know, we have this. It's a cool team, but like Jason Todd and Nightwing being on the Titans and Donna Troy, it's that's not just what's currently happening. So it just feels weird. It's like you know, wh- where is this going to go and, and and that. So yeah, I, I kind of was like falling off of that. Batman the Imposter. This is a this is an interesting book. And, you know, so this is a black label book. It's Andrea Sorrentino doing art. So it's kind of like, that's all you need to know. It's like, it doesn't matter. If Andrea Sorrentino is doing the art. You need to check this out. So it's it's a pretty good. Uh, it's, it is, you know, being a, a black label book, it's a different continuity and all that. And we're seeing kind of like a, a younger Batman and, you know, just starting his career. And then Leslie Tompkins is like, she spoiler she's like like oh wait bruce wayne is batman and then she's like you you can't do this and then she's trying to keep him in check and 
and stuff like that. So there's some cool things. But then there, why, what's this imposter thing? Because there, there's like someone going out. There's a second Batman who's uh, basically killing and doing like hardcore things. And he's like, that's not me. So, you know, where's where's that going to go? That, that's, it's, it's an interesting book. And, uh, you know, as, as much as I complain or was like kind of complaining about like Titans United being like out of co- continuity, I don't, for, but for some reason, like Batman the imposter, I, I'm embracing that because maybe I'm just, I don't know. It, it's weird. Like I'm, I'm being not, that's not a double standard or maybe you call me hypocritical, but it's just um, kind of interesting that they're both in these, these different continuities and I, I like one more than the other. And maybe it's just this, the story. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm really curious to see where that's going to go. Okay, over at Marvel, uh, we had Amazing Spider-Man 76. All right, so spoiler, if you look at the cover, you see Peter Parker's not doing so well. He's lying in a hospital bed. Uh, he is not lying in a hospital bed in, in his Spider-Man costume, so let's just make that clear. What had happened is, in the last issue, Ben Riley. so Ben Riley is Spider-Man, and he is... You know, working with the Beyond Corporation, you know, all this money and stuff involved and, you know, they're backing him. They have the rights to Spider-Man because Doc Ock had copyrighted it or something like that. And they bought like a lot of remnants of Parker Industries and stuff like that. So they want to have uh, Spider-Man. I don't know if we can trust them. It seems like they have good intentions, but I I feel like something is going to, you know, come down. So Ben Riley is being... So it's being Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Ben and, and Peter both go out as Spider-Man because the UFOs start attacking and they get hit. There's like all this radiation, stuff like that. Ben has this, uh, you know, slick costume that protected him, didn't protect Spider-Man, didn't protect Peter. So now he's in the hospital and he's kind of fighting for his life. Even though, you know, he's got a healing factor. You know, he, he shouldn't be, you know, conscious or he's barely conscious and stuff like that. But it's not looking too good for him. And and Ben's like not sure what to do. So, you know, he he calls Mary Jane and he calls Aunt May, even though, you know, he doesn't say, Hey, this is Ben. He's just like, I'm in the hospital, you need you know, whatever. And then I, I forget if it was if it was May, she's like, That wasn't Peter or something like that. So they're they're you know, trying to figure out and Aunt May is like kind of, you know, being being tough and everything like that. She, when she's get there, she's like, where's the doctor at? And you know, she's what's going on. And you know, she's getting all hardcore and everything, which, which is cool. Cause you know, we don't need old feeble, feeble, you know, about to die Aunt May. Cause we, we've had that so many times. So it's, it's, it's great that, you know, she's got this strength that, you know, she, she can stand up and, you know, take things. So yeah, we'll see what's going to happen. And um, I, yeah. So I, I like, I'm glad Ben is here. But you don't have to sideline Peter, so we'll, we'll see. Avengers forty nine. So this is continuing the World War She Hulk story. So this is Red She Hulk, the Winter She Hulk, whatever they're calling her, and she's attacking Atlantis. You know that's like the the Winter Guard. Their their plan. You know they for some reason whatever, and you know so she's been doing all this. But we do uh, we kind of get like to some flashbacks between like She Hulk and. Uh, Black Panther talking about like before, like what she thinks she can handle, like as a mission and, you know, putting herself at risk by uh, allowing herself to uh, be a target. And, you know, so now she's been brainwashed and everything like that. You know, how is she going to come out of this? So, yeah, okay. Um, then there is uh, the Darkhold Iron Man issue one. 
Um, this so this is by Ryan North, and this it was a, this was a weird comic because it was like a retelling of Iron Man's origin, but it, it almost was like a dark Halloween issue. You know, it was like a dark like series, and. So it's almost like reality had been rewritten, or maybe this is a multiverse version, or you know some other thing. So it's just like an Iron Man story, kind of gets gets a little little, little gruesome, and uh, so <laughs> it's 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 interesting. I didn't love it. I was intrigued with it as as how you know it's it's kind of dark and a little twisted, but it was just okay. Um, Eternals Forever. Actually, I didn't read this. So this is by Ralph Macho. Didn't he just do an Eternals book like a few weeks ago? So I didn't didn't read this because I, I don't know if this is tied with the current Eternals books or if it's just kind of like I think this is more like just a Eternals in general, like flashback, like anytime thing. So I didn't read that. Gamma Flight. I just skimmed through it. I, I I'm struggling with this book. One thing I'm, well, I'm glad I did skim through, and this is kind of like the main reason, there are some developments for Rick Jones, which uh, if you know what I've been kind of complaining about lately, you know, um, you maybe have an idea what, what that can mean. But it's something that was like, okay, that that's cool. That's good. Immortal Hulk issue 50 came out. This was like a super long comic. I am I'm, I'm so glad people have been enjoying this, this series. It just... I haven't really liked the whole. I mean, it, it's good to see like the different aspects of of Bruce and the Hulk, and you know, this is his mind and the different versions of the Hulk and all that. But it, it was just, I don't know. And and I, you know, I did love like the the kind of horror story elements to it. But it's just, I just want Hulk being Hulk, and you know, and I, I'm hoping what we have coming up, you know, from what we saw in the free comic book day issue, that sounds like it could be something. That I'm I'm more excited for. So some some good conclusions here. You know things are being wrapped up and everything like that. So so bravo to Al Ewing because you know 50 issues, man, that is that is awesome. I'm so so even though I haven't been loving every single issue, I can't express how happy and excited that we have a series in this day and age that can reach issue 50. That is incredible. <laughs> That is that is immortal. That's that's, that's great. I, I I wasn't trying to make an incredible Hulk joke. That, I think that's fantastic. I'm so happy when publishers let their books progress like that instead of relaunching it every you know story arc or or whatever. So so bravo. Even though it's going to be, re, I'm assuming it's relaunching. Was it? Is it? I don't remember what it's called. I'm super excited. You know, Ryan Otley doing the art. It's going to be awesome. Um, but I have a feeling it's going to be relaunched, right? Iron Man issue 13. I am waiting for this story arc to be over. I mean, I'm curious now with, with Ben Riley, you know, here. Because in the beginning, it felt like this was like a different Ben Riley, you know. Because he, he was like doing security at a mall or something like that. It's like, f- screw you, man. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's why I'm so bitter about this series. Like, you don't disrespect. You don't diss my, my Ben Riley this way. I'm just uh, Korvac or whatever. I don't care anymore. Uh, Kazar, Kazar. Is it Kazar or Kazar? <laughs> Lord of the Savage Land. Uh, issue two came out. I, I didn't love the first issue. Uh, I'm just, I'm not a Kazar fan. I call him Kazar. Kazar. Does anyone call him Kazar? 
That just sounds weird to me. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't read that. Kang the Conqueror, issue three. This is just like like almost like a headache inducing book not really headache inducing but the fact because of timeline time travel you know we have young king versus old king can he do anything to old king um is this gonna and then just with like things happening it's like oh wait this is gonna happen anyways even though you don't want this you know young king doesn't want this to happen but it's like kind of like fate and so can he really change his timeline or is is he destined to be who he's going to be so it's interesting things there and then I, I'm just I'm curious about this Ravona character because you know I I don't I don't really know much about Ravona Renslayer you know that we basically had her in the Loki show I'm assuming that's why she's being used here you know there was a connection before I just don't remember ever seeing her reading her before you know I had to look her up and I was like oh there's all this stuff about her so somehow I, I you know I, I missed that but I'm, I'm curious where this is going to go. Miles Morales, Spider-Man issue 31. So it's like Miles and his, his new girlfriend. What's her name? Starling? I, I always forget her name. Yeah, Starling. Um, so she's uh, Vulture's granddaughter. And they're like just sitting on a rooftop making out and everything. It's like, dude, you have your friggin' mask off. You're sitting on a rooftop. There are other buildings taller than the building you're sitting on. You don't know if someone's, you know, like two blocks away with a high-powered telescope or whatever looking and saying, oh, hey, look, there's there's Spider-Man. Anyways, then Taskmaster starts attacking. So I love a good Taskmaster story. This is kind of interesting to see what, what he does. And and uh, sometimes I, I wonder, it's like, okay, Taskmaster is great, but can he really be prepared for I mean, it seems like there's some things he, he shouldn't be able to fight against, uh, but... He does a he does um, some interesting things here, and at one point I think Miles gets like shot in the shoulder or skimmed or something like that. So it's like your new costume it's damaged already. It's like you can go to your your friend and say, "Hey, can you patch this up?" We'll see. Um, then we had Shang Chi issue five, and this was kind of like an Iron Man angle, like some dudes acquired Iron Man costume suit. And they want to sell it to him or whatever. And and so they think that Shang-Chi, you know, the organization is like an evil organization because he took over his dad's thing. And uh, it turns out there was like a setup, basically. So they're, they're trying to see like, hey, let's let's see, like, where where is Shang-Chi's loyalties really lie? So there's some interesting things there. Then uh, we had uh, Star Wars, The High Republic. Uh, what was this? Trail of Shadows. I started reading this. I really want to get into these characters, but I'm I'm struggling with the fact that these are newer characters, and I, you know, so I'm not like super um, invested in them. So it's a uh, you know these new characters. I this is a problem where you know having to read so many books that it's like I don't have time. I don't. It's like I don't want to just like sit and read and try to figure out do I care about these characters? Who are these characters? And then I, I just like I, I just don't care. I you know I, I can't get invest myself. So, but it, it could be I I, I really want to want to like this book, but we'll see. Um, Star Wars: War of Bounty Hunters issue five. Is this the last issue? Yeah, ultimate finale because this does like wrap things up and it also sets things up for um, the next story arc. Um, I forget what it's called, but there's gonna be more stuff happening with Crimson Dawn. 
so I'm, I'm kind of interested in where we're going here because you know there there was a gap between empire and return of jedi so this may wrap up the stuff like with the fate of han solo which we know where han solo is going to end up but there's still stuff that has to happen in between here because like you know the luke here is not the luke that we have in return of the jedi you know there there still has to be some growth cuz you know he's he's kind of like he's scared of darth vader still he he knows that he's kind of in over his head and, and stuff like that so it's interesting to think about that how you know he he still needs to evolve like what happens there and and that's just that's not what the focus is going to be but the fact that you know we have that time period where more stuff is is going to be happening symbiote spider-man crossroads is four i didn't read i am just yeah I, I i'm just i don't know not really digging into this story arc x-force issue 24 this was a, a weird book so it has to deal with mikhail rasputin and uh you know there, there's stuff with with uh with beast he's being such an idiot because he has these like nesting doll agents where they keep like when they get killed and then like a smaller version pops out of the body and then there's one of them went inside beast boy like microscopic level so he's like freaking out that's kind of gross and everything like that and then there's like stuff with um with colossus which i'm not really sure what is going on there like what's what's happening um but it's like mikhail's like kind of pulling some some strings or something like that so we'll have to see what, what's going on there and then uh, X-Men issue four, I didn't love this story, even though it's Jerry Duggan. I love Jerry Duggan's writing. Javier Pina's art's great. My problem with this is it's it's friggin' nightmare. I I just don't care for that character. And, you know, he's, he's trying to mess things up, you know, playing with people and doing stuff. But then what's cool is then, you know, Jean Grey's like, hey, you know, she senses something's going on. So, you know, there's a cool aspect there. But um, it, it was a fine issue. I Like I said, I just, unfortunately, I just didn't love it because I just don't, don't like Nightmare. But that's just me. And uh, that... That was, uh, I think that's like the fastest I went through comics. So hopefully that, that was fine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't shortchange anything. But uh, that's going to be comics for the week. Okay, then I want to talk about Squid Game. So just uh, just briefly, like I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to jump into it. I'm not going to go like the first issue, this, the second, or first, first episode and everything like that. But what I want to say about it, it's... Um, when I first started hearing about it, at first I, I I totally missed when this was coming out. I just started seeing some some tweets coming up, uh, and then people retweeting other people, like people like tweets from people I don't even follow. I'm like, what are you talking about? And everything. And then uh, so I started here seeing like, oh, everyone's talking about Squid Game, and then it started getting to be at a point where. It's like, oh, there's all this hype around this. Everyone's like, oh, this is the best show, and and sometimes when things get overhyped. I'm just like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, not not that I I want to I need to be like the first one or anything like that. But sometimes sometimes things get too overhyped and it's just like you know, it it gets to be too much. So I finally um, I, I was like, okay, I want to watch this. I'm I'm curious. I'll I'll see where this is gonna go. And I just wasn't able to. So I watched it last weekend. And I so it might have been like a week or two. I don't I don't even know when it when it first came out. But it is um. I, I, you know, watching things that are subtitled, what, what's what's interesting about it is that almost like it requires more of your attention because I feel like, I, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times, you know, I, I try to stay focused when I watch and, and a lot of times 
I'll admit, you know, when I'm watching things, I'm, I'm kind of like taking some notes because, you know, for me to recap all, all these shows, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I t- cover everything, that I, I don't forget everything, especially with my memory these days. But then sometimes when I'm watching, you know, I may like, oh, my phone notification went up or, hey, what's going on over here? Or did anyone post anything cool on Instagram or, you know, anything like that? So sometimes I, not that I'm like not paying attention, but I may like glance at, you know, just like look at something. But when the show's subtitled and when it's in Korean or some other language that I don't understand, you have to be, you know, if you look away from your screen, you're you're going to miss out on what's being said. And maybe it's not like super ultra important. You know, you don't need to hang on to every single word, but it, you should. So that's the interesting thing about, you know, watching shows that are subtitled. And and I I'm I don't even know if I don't think they did, but I I, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was like an English dub version possible, which that probably would, just wouldn't be good. You know, don't don't do that if, if it is a, a, an option. So, anyways, what I'm saying is, is that the subtitle forces you to pay attention. But what is the show about? It's uh it's basically kind of like like Hunger Games. I, I would say, you know, it, there's this basically you, you see the story of this guy, this father, and you know he's he's kind of kind of a slacker or whatever. You know, he's a not I don't want to necessarily call him a loser or whatever. You know, his his wife's uh, like remarried or getting remarried and stuff like that, and. He's just, he doesn't, you know, he's kind of living with his mom still and, you know, taking care of her or whatever, but, you know, she's kind of taking care of him. And he, like, has no real prospects. He gets confronted by some dude in, like, Subway, like, hey, you want to do this gambling thing or whatever? And and he basically gives him some money because, you know, he also, he, he steals money from his mom to, to try to go, you know, gambling and that. Uh, so... When he meets this guy in the subway, and then he's like, after their little bet things, and he's like, "Hey, if you basically if you want try to make more money, he gives him this this card, just like just totally vague card, has like some symbols on the back, and then like a, a phone number." And the the basically, if you call and agree to this, you're going to be competing, doing something, you, and there's like absolutely no details. So when he goes, he kind of, it's almost like you get kidnapped. You know, you go in his van and he noticed like uh, other people are sleeping. He's like, oh, is this like a long trip? It's like, how long you've been doing this? And then this gas knocks him out basically. So they're taken elsewhere and there's like all these, how many, 466 people? I'm trying to think what his name number was. I don't remember now, which is bad. Anyway, so all these people are in this like competition and, uh, Basically, you know, you have the potential. Every time someone dies, more money is added to this big glass sphere that's like in the in the main uh, like quarters, the the bedroom or not bedroom, the the sleeping quarters. So it, things kind of get dark because uh, like the the first game is is red light, green light, which I, I drew a picture of it, so you can go to my Instagram, gmanfromheck.com, not dot com, gmanfromheck Instagram. And you can see, I, I drew, there's like this big giant dowel. And, you know, so you have to walk forward. And when it's red light, if you're moving, <laughs> guns start shooting at you. So it, it gets hardcore like that. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil other things or anything. But you start to, you know, get to know some of the different characters. You, you kind of care about some of them. You know, maybe you don't. I saw one person uh, just really did not like the show, and they, they thought it was, like, just cliche and overhyped and everything like that. What, but it's like, whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be for everyone. I enjoyed it. I, I, I liked it. 
and uh, the different this so basically with the different challenges they had are kind of based off of uh, kids games and the, the problem is when you're going to that one of the games you know the people they have no idea what the game is going to be and and on some of them it's like okay you need to you need a partner you need a team or this or that and you can't necessarily you don't know what the game is going to be so you don't really know what kind of partner you, you want to have you know is it going to be about strength is it you know do you want you want someone who's like maybe smaller or, or whatever that you know could do different things or someone who's more agile or you know so it's just a uh, it's 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 it was it was a good show so I, I really enjoyed it and I just thought I thought they did a good job you know is it the most original thing it doesn't have to be and uh you know just I thought they did a good job coming up with different games and just totally twisting them and making them, you know, harsh and extreme. And so I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, there might be some twists here or there and some surprises. So I would, you know, try to avoid spoilers if, if you are interested in watching it. But it's definitely worth checking out. So I feel it does kind of live up to the hype. You know, it may not be the greatest thing ever. I think it had like the biggest Netflix debut or something. Um, I, I did really enjoy it, but it's not going to be like my all time favorite thing or whatever. But, you know, I, I did like it enough where I was like, I, I really want to do some art based off of this. And, you know, I was trying to figure out what to do. And I just picked some I, I kind of want to do. A, there's like another scene I kind of want to do. Because when I first saw, I saw a clip for the, the red light, green light before I watched it, and there's like this old man. He's he was number one because you know all the contestants are numbered, and he when they're playing red light, green light, he's just got this smile on his face. You know, it's like um, green light, and you know the the dowel like the head turns around, and he's just like moving, you know, forwards, you know, slowly, but he's just got this big grin on his face, and it's just like, oh, this this old man is having fun with this game. And, so we'll see, but yeah, so it's 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 worth checking out. I, I would say, you know, if if you have the time, it was uh, was it eight episodes, seven episodes, eight episodes, nine episodes, something like that. <laughs> I should know, but but I did enjoy it. So you should check out Squid Game. Then with Why the Last Man, season one, episode seven, my mother saw a monkey. <laughs> Things are moving along here. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I know my, my com- I, I still feel bad for complaining a couple of weeks ago about like, oh, nothing's really happening. So I, I guess things are going on. Um, it starts off like Yorick is siphoning. And I part of it, what as I watch this, I'm like I'm trying to think back what happened in the comics. And so I can't really speak on how accurate or true to the storylines this is matching up. And I don't know where my trades are. I, I only found like volume five and six. I hope I have the other ones that they're just like, maybe they got shoved in a box or somewhere. Uh, I, I really should find them. But part of it is like, I don't kind of don't want to look for them because there's too much stuff to look through. Anyways, it starts off. We see York like siphoning gas. Um, <laughs> and it's so cute. Cause like ampersand, he finds like this little ball and he's just like rolling it. It's like kind of like this big, like wicker ball or something like that. And he's just doing it. Then, uh, Man examines his mouth and throat, whatever, and, you know, just to see if he's okay and, and stuff. Then he wants to make some gesture for 355 because, you know, he feels bad that they tried leaving her and, you know, what went down. But she's, she's you know, she's not sorry, whatever. And she's like, you know, 355 lied and could have gotten us killed. And then um, she comes up, 355 comes up with, like, extra gas or whatever. And York is, like, trying to kiss up to her. He's like, oh, you know, that was a really great idea, getting more gas and everything like that. And and she's just looking at him. It's like, whatever, dude, type of thing. So they're going to go in this truck with this camper. And she tells them to, like, get in the back. 
he starts talking about like his escape routine or anything like that. And so he he has a, uh, Dr. Man like tie his wrists and stuff like that. Uh, you know, just to show how he can, you know, get out of them and whatever. And he's like, you know, tie, tie, tie knot, well, however you want or whatever. While they're driving, 355 starts falling asleep because I don't know if she's just not sleeping well. There's like something up with her. Something is going on. Then like the car starts veering off the side of road. So it's kind of like, a you know, like hitting like branches on the side. That kind of wakes her up and it startles her. And she like swerves the wheel, but she like does it too hard. So they kind of go off the road and slam into this tree. And in the back, you know, they get like thrown, thrown all over the place. And and York, his hands are tied. So man wakes up first, and and so I don't know how long they're out because it's like nighttime now. York, you can see there's like blood on his head or anything like that. And poor Amp is like in his cage, and he's just like you know he's upset. He's like you know screeching and stuff like that. So man uh, goes to check on three fifty five, and the the driver's seat is empty. Then she sees like some vehicles approaching, and so she like waves him down. Which is like, is that a good idea? But she does that, and it turns out that they're armed. Then they like start, they point their guns at her. So it's just like, okay, now what? This uh, soldiers debriefing with the general, the president, others uh, shows she shows them the the dart that was used to knock her out, and she's like, you know, maybe it's CIA issue or or you know, foreign issue something. The so they they said they they tracked Bergen from Boston. And the soldiers at Harvard said that she was looking for a scientist, Dr. Allison Mann, just some kind of geneticist. And the first soldier said that, you know, uh, she didn't get a visual on a doctor, but the third person from the church was a man. And Bergen was protecting him. She says that, you know, she was about 10 feet from him. And the president says that they should acknowledge, like, there are men out there. And the soldier says, she's like, I don't think he was transgender. And the president is like, you're telling me you can verify someone's chromosome from 10 feet? And the soldier's like, no, but why else would Agent Bergen be looking for geneticists? You know, if, if she's per- protecting an asset or a survivor, the president's like, oh, here we go. And, you know, Regina's like, well, it would explain a few things. The other two soldiers, they said that they didn't see this this dude, which is York. And the president's like, you know, with all due respect, like she was tranquilized. Like her memory isn't exactly reliable. And she says that she, you know, the, the soldier's like, I know what I saw. And the president says... Did you see the crowds outside? It's like the White House is gone. Those people, you know, they doused one of our guards with gasoline and tried to light her on fire. It's like they will jump at anything that has a whiff of conspiracy. So you better be sure. And the soldier's like, I'm as sure as I can be. He was Caucasian, brown hair, about six feet tall. And then the second soldier's like, well, why don't you tell him the rest? And they're like, what? And she's like, there was an animal with him on his shoulder. And the president, she's like, all right, we're done here. She's like, she's like, I'm, a, I, I got, I got things to do. So she's gonna get up. But then Regina's like, what kind of animal? And she says, it's a monkey. And the president's like, thank you, Captain. And she kind of gives like a fake, fake smile. As they leave, a president tells Christine, she's like, get them reassigned. She's like, I don't want them spreading that story in this building. She's like, make it happen today. So she's like, you know, obviously she knows what's up. Outside, uh, you know, there's crowds of people and there's guards, you know, some women are trying to get past and everything like that. And there's like one hood, one woman wearing like a hoodie who's kind of like walking slowly around. So it's like, what's up with this, this, this lady? We, we assume it's a lady, you know, we, we don't see it a person at this point. 
Um, Kimberly's complaining to mom that they're going to throw Jennifer, the president, uh, York's mom, on a Humvee like she's Abraham freaking Lincoln on a whistle stop tour. <laughs> her mom's kind of like half ignoring her, just watching TV. She's watching MASH. And then she's like, oh, leave Jennifer Brown alone. She's a decent human being. And Kimberly complains that you know, she she called dad a sexist, but you know her mom's just lying around, whatever. Kimberly is like, you know, you should say something, whatever. She's like, she's like, I'm not the queen of England. No one cares what I have to say. And then Kimberly is like, well, at least Regina and her mom laughs. She's like, Regina's a nut job. And Kimberly's father would be the first one to say so. Then York wakes up in a bed next to a woman. And then he like looks, he has like no clothes on. So he like gets up, he's like, amp, amp. He's like trying to, you know, where's amp? Um, he walks quietly and then he can hear some some people in another room and there's like some family or something like that and they're, they're in like in the, he ends up in the kitchen and he gets spotted and everything like that so it's like they're their arms it's like are they a family what's going who are they he they ask why is he here he's like i don't know where here is and then he asks he's like uh were the other people were in the truck with me and they're like oh you don't have to worry about them then he's like can I, because you know, he found Amp, he's like, can I take him out of his, his cage because he's scared? And they're like, he? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, I don't know why. And he asks about his friends again. Then they, they want to know about him and his white chromosome. He's like, I have no idea. He's like, you know, maybe I'm cursed. And, you know, then they give him a plate, they give him toast. And he's like, surprised, like, you have electricity? And they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. And then he asks again about his friends. One mentions that, you know, he's like, well, your hands were tied up. You know, if they're your friends, why were you tied up? He's like, no, I was doing a trick. And so they thought he was being held captive. Out in the woods, 355 wakes up in pain. And, you know, she goes to, to the road. She sees like a smoking minivan. There's like a dead lady inside and family inside. But then it's like, like, oh, no, this didn't happen. This was like a flashback. So this must be like what happened to like her, her and her kids. Because then she wakes up in a cot, like in a cell, and man is like pounding on a door. She's like, we need help in here or whatever. So just like some sort of like detention center or something like that. 355 asks what happened, and man's like, you crashed a truck, and then they brought us here. It's like they took York, you know, he was unconscious. So 355 kind of stumbles up, and she's like, how many were there? And man's like, four or five, I think. And she's like, were they armed? She's like, yeah. She's like, what kind of guns? She's like, I don't know. And she's like, did you catch any name? She's like, how did they communicate? And man's like, well, what's the plan? And then 355 is like, last time I told you to plan, you took off in a night with humanity's last hope. So, you know, she's not really happy with, you know, neither one of them are happy. President's talking to people, you know, she's out there and, you know, she's like, buses will are available to take them to the safe settlement zone. There's gonna be food, water, medical attention. And she's like, of course, you have the right to stay. And then uh, the person wearing the hoodie is still walking through the crowd. Then Jennifer, like, sees her. She kind of, like, starts to falter a little bit because, you know, she when she sees this person. So then she just kind of trails off. She climbs down from where she was talking and she's like, there's someone out there. And it turns out it's Beth. So the president's like, let her in, whatever. She comes in. And then Beth's like, where's Hero? And the president's like, well, she's not here. you know. And they, they catch up. And you know, Beth's mom ended up, she didn't make it. The doctors couldn't get to her. She wasn't able, Beth wasn't able to be with her. And Jennifer's like, you know, I, I could have could have helped or made a call. And Beth's like, you know, thanks, whatever. So she got in an accident or something like that when she was getting there. And then she said, you know, she could walk. So I think she got an accident on her bike or something like that. And so she went back to the street, but then she couldn't go in because things were blocked off or whatever. Regina's talking to Kimberly and her mom. She says there's no proof that Bergen killed a pilot, let alone 
was ordered by the president. And Kimberly like, says, like, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. So she's like, she doesn't care that there's no proof. And she asks about the other soldiers. And Regina's like, they were hit by tranquilizers. It's like their stories were all over the place. And then they're like, was Hero there? And Kimberly's like, you know, she's – because she's like, no, she was short. She didn't brush her hair. She looked like a drug addict. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, my gosh. Then Regina's like, well, that's not the description they gave. And Kimberly just keeps pushing. And her mom's like, oh, give it a rest. And Regina says that, you know, she's like, she's telling her it's a dead end. And, uh, you know, Regina says that six feet tall with a monkey on his shoulder, you know, that that's not not hero. And, but then Kimberly's mom, she like drops her glass when she hears that about the monkey. So the at the, the place, the ladies ask York more questions. Uh, they say, you know, the truck was hauling ass when it was hit by a tree. So like, was somebody chasing them? And he's like, no. He's like, you know, I'd really like to see my friends now. And then this one lady, she must be like the leader. She's like, well, they're being looked after. And then he's like, are you in charge? And they're like, no. And she's like, no one's in charge. And he's like, oh, that's great. It's like, so it's a utopia with hostages. And they're like, well, no one's keeping you a hostage. So he's like, so I can go? And they're like, no. And he's like, well, that's sort of, it sort of feels like I'm a hostage. So they say that they make decisions as a group. They haven't decided what to do with him. And then one lady's like, who's Beth? And, you know, you're like, you said your name and you said her name while you're sleeping. And then he's like, why did I wake up naked? And then the other one's like, what the, you know, WTF, Sonia. And she stutters and everything. She's like, his clothes were filthy, covered in blood. And then they mentioned, you know, there was a small arsenal in the back of the truck. And he's like, it's dangerous out there. He's like, you want it? You can have it. And then more people are, are pulling up. They're like, he's like, who's that? He's like, that's the welcoming committee. So in the, the cell, 355 is taking off her shoelaces because she's like, we need weapons. And she asks man if she knows, like, she's like, you know what a building full of dead people smells like? And she, like, takes a woof. She's like, this is a woman's prison, you know, because there's nails, nail marks and blood on the walls. So someone did everything they could to get out of there, and they didn't die in there. So somehow she got out. And man asks, so if, you know, they, they got out, there could be, like, hundreds of convicts out there and 355 nods. Then man says that, you know, she would be worried now, but since 355 has that shoelace, and then 355 mentions that at the Pentagon, you know, she's just like, you know, because because man is just like really just needling 355, just keeps like pushing and, you know, all this stuff. So she's like, you know, at the Pentagon, they put a list together, scientists, and he's like, they were brilliant geniuses. And man's humbly starts saying, he's like, well, I don't know if you can quantify genius. And at 355 is like, you weren't on that list. And she's like, what? And 355 is like, yeah, you were disqualified. Something about being a traitor to your country. And man's like, is this about the Saudis? She's like, this is why I don't trust the government. And you know, she's like, do you know how difficult it is to get funding? And 355 is like, the point is, stop being a pain in my ass. She's like, you know, there are other scientists who can help. And then man's like, oh, well, they aren't me. And then she's like, just stay away from York. She's like, stop putting those dumbass ideas in his head. And man's like, oh, please, he has dumbass ideas all by himself. So man wants to check on 355, and she's like, I'm fine. And she's, but she's clearly in pain. And man's like, you need to see a doctor. And she's like, I'm not that kind of doctor. So then man asks her, she's like, what's your deal back home? You're like, do you have a husband? Yeah, a wife, a family? And, you know, 355 is not really answering, but when she's family, she's like, dead. And she's like, it was a long time ago. She's like, I was 12. It was a car accident. So that's probably like what, what she saw before. And then some footsteps start approaching. So 355 is like, let me do the talking. The door opens. York is, is brought in. And then they close the door behind them. So the woman walk away. He tells them, um, they asked 
you know, who they were, if they were followed. They asked about AMP. They gave him toast. And 355 is like, how many are there? He's like, a lot. He's like, dozens. 50 maybe, uh, maybe more. 355 is like, uh, he's a, some of them might have been serving life sentences. So if they think that they're a threat, and York's like, he's like, I don't think that they'd kill us. So then Regina, she finds out that he, he was there in a building. And Kimberly says, like, my mother saw a monkey isn't going to cut it. She says that, you know, she barely leaves the room. She told her about him, and she's like, I didn't even believe her. It's like no one else out there is, is going to believe what she's saying. Regina's like, well, we have to confront Jennifer alone. Kimberly's like, we need proof, you know, real allies, not, you know, tinfoil hats. Regina's like, there's a bloodthirsty crowd outside. They they could give them Jennifer. But Kimberly's like, you know, they don't just want uh, Jennifer out. They want Yorick. You know, if he's the, the key to everything, and Regina mentions that, you know, Kimberly – didn't speak too highly of him before, but Kimberly says like, you know, God chose him. You know, it's not up to us to question that they have, you know, we, we have to bring him here and, you know, we, so we can bring back men. Kimberly says that, you know, they'll get proof and force Jennifer against the wall and she'll be forced to resign. And then, you know, she'll lead them to him. Then pain and the suffering, all that will be over and there'll be a nation of mothers again. So I guess all she wants to do is be a mother. I mean, that's how she defines herself. Jennifer, asked Beth how she got in New York and she says that she walked, she thinks, you know, it's kind of hard to remember. She asked Jennifer if she knows anything, um, you know, she said, you know, she wishes she had someone to blame. She, then uh, Beth's like, you know, he asked me to marry him and I, and she, Beth or Jennifer's like, yeah, he told me, he called me or whatever. And then Beth's like, but I said, no, she's like, you know, we were young and I was leaving town. You know, we got in a fight and I left that morning. She's like, I should have said yes. And, you know, then he wouldn't have been alone. And she asked, like, did you ever find him? And uh, so Jennifer doesn't tell him, you know, she, which is maybe a good thing, but she's like, just a license, like everyone else. Then there's a knock, and Christina says that they're asking for in the war room, and Beth's like, can I go too? She's like, I'll stay out of the way. So then at this point, it's like, okay, why does she want to go to the war room? You know, and, and she asks, you know, do you know anything about what's happening? So it's like, hmm. Uh, some Greek scientists, you know, they mentioned there's a new strain of influenza B. Then Jennifer um, said, like, well, we'll release some, you know, whatever vaccines for that. You know, we have surplus or something. Then Jennifer um, tells Christina to stay with Beth. He's like, and she's like, she doesn't know about York. So then they, they talk. Beth seems to have a lot of questions. Then Kimberly's mom walks in on her, on her, in her nightgown. And she just like yells, interrupts. She's like, you made me think I was crazy. And Jennifer is like, uh, why don't we take this a little more somewhere a little more private? And she's just like, why you? You weren't even a good mother. It should have been Ted or my son or my grandbabies. And and she like screams, you know, she's like, my grandbaby. And she screams that. And then, then she's just like, yeah, she's like, I, I'm, she tells her, she's like, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm going back to my room. And Jennifer just turns around. She's like, let's be respectful. Let's get back to it. So she's trying to play it off. Like, yes, we know she's crazy but we're not going to make a big deal about it. So Yorick asks 355, he's like, can you even fight? He's like, you have a cracked skull. And she's like, I'm fine. And, you know, if if she hadn't saved his ass, he would have starved to death in New York and, you know, writing effing love letters to his girlfriend. <laughs> and man kind of chuckles at this. And 355 is like, you know, you can sit there waiting until they, they kill us, but, you know, she's like, I'm going to do something. And then he tells her uh, to get up you know, to prove that she's fine. And she walks up to him. She's like, you're about to get your ass beat with a shoelace. 
So he tries like, you know, she's like kind of like holding it up. He tries like taking it and she just like knocks him down onto the cot. And you know, then she like kind of dangles him and, uh, some more. He tries again and she like slaps him on the back of the head and like, she, you know, he knocks him back behind him. He kind of like goes into, you know, runs into the corner of the room. He tries again and then he's like sitting there kind of like sizing her up or whatever. He goes to make his move and she gets the laces around his throat and she's like behind him like choking him. So he's like down on his knees. He's like, stop, stop, stop. And and man's like, you won. He's like, that's enough. And then she starts groaning and then she throws up. Then York goes like like see if she's okay. She like smacks his hand away, <laughs> and then the the lady uh, Sonia, she opens up the door and she's like who puked, and York's like she might have a concussion. And Sonia then she's like okay. And she's like well we talked it out. She's like you can stay until she recovers in in town. And she's like there's a doctor there. And three fifty five is like um, why would you help us? You know what's in it for you? And Sonia's like I don't know. She's like maybe hell isn't other people. And then she throws some pills at 3.55. She's like, uh, the doc will check you out in the morning. So then uh, Kimberly's yelling at her mom for just going out into a war room like that. She's like, you know what people are saying about you? And she's just ignoring it. And she's like, I need to get out of here. And Kimberly's like, it's like, you have to control yourself. She's like, you know, you're not the only one. And, you know, she's like, I want to scream every time I see her. And uh, then her Marla, her mom, she's like, let's just go home. She's like, we'll pick apples off of daddy's trees. Like, we'll be pioneer woman. And then Kimberly's like, Lynchburg's all gone. She's like, the dam burst. She's like, no one was there to fix it. She's like, I thought someone told you. And Marla's like, who would tell me? Because, you know, no one tells her anything. Then Kimberly's like, with York, there's hope. She's like, God has a plan for all of us. And Marla's like, there is no God. She's like, what more proof do you need? And Kimberly's just like, starts praying or whatever. So Jennifer offers Beth her bed until, you know, when she gets out of the shower. And she's like, oh, she's like, I can't stay. She's like, I just wanted to see you and, and talk to somebody else who loved him. And Jennifer's like, where will you go? And Beth's like, I have some friends, you know, Sydney. It's like, you know, her mom has a house on, on Lake, Lake Anna. And then uh, Jennifer notices her jacket. She's like, oh, the lining is thinning. She offers like a different one that's warmer. And Beth's like, oh, I can't take it. And Jennifer's like, well, I hardly wear it. And she's like, no. And she points like the presidential seal patch, like on the arm. She's like, I can't wear that out there. And she's like, ah. York um, helps 355 into bed. She asks him for a favor. You know, keep his mouth shut and don't trust anyone, especially that girl, Sonia. York uh, sits outside. Um, this uh, older lady asks him if he's coming, and he's like, what? So he gets up. There's, like, music in the distance. They're, like, grilling food and hanging out and stuff like that. Then Sonia comes up to him and starts talking to him about being an escape artist, and she asks about the monkey, and he's like, he's my best friend. And then this other lady um, talks to Janice, who is, like, the, the lady that York thought was in charge. She's, like, the older lady. Uh, she's worried that someone is chasing them and is going to cause some problems for them. Marla walks outside. At the same time, Kimberly goes to the memorial wall. She looks at York's picture and yanks it off. And then she uh, returns to the, the room with peaches that she traded for someone downstairs. But Marla's still outside. Kimberly sees a note on the bed as Marla jumps off a bridge. And then Kimberly runs out in the hall. And she's like, ah! She falls to her knees and starts screaming. And, like, Jennifer's in a room and hears this. But she's like, "What now what? You know, she doesn't go out there or whatever. And then Beth, um, she goes outside. She's outside the gate. And then she goes up to a van and, like, knocks on the door. Some lady inside, her name is Malika, according to uh, closed captioning. Um, she's like, did you see her? Did they let you in? And she's like, yeah. Then Malika's like, what's it like in there? And Beth's like, warm water, food, power. It's like a time machine. 
but it could all fall apart. And then they're like, okay, they, they drive off. They're like, everyone's waiting. So it turns out Beth is, who's she working with? Who, what is, what is, you know, they're anti-president or they have some sort of agenda. So obviously she went in there. She didn't go in there to talk to her, to York's mom about York. She just went in there to spy on them basically. So it's just like, okay. So, um, things are, are getting interesting here. I'm trying to remember in a, in the comic, I don't think we saw Beth right away because I don't. I, I feel like she actually did end up in Australia, but like I said, I, I could be wrong. So here we go. Uh, so I like that episode. I, I thought it was, thought it was good. Okay, then we have the new Chucky show. So this uh, it's interesting because the, the show is airing on Sci-Fi Channel in USA. I'm not sure why two different cable channels. Uh, I I just I chose Sci-Fi to watch it just because I knew what ch- I don't know any of the, I I know very few channels on my my cable so I just like set the DVR for that and um, yeah so I, it's a joint thing so I, I guess that's that's good it's a uh, created for television by Don Mancini I think the story goes and I, I think a report about this. So it's almost like two different people own the rights to to Chucky and Child's Play. So Universal, I think it was Universal, they have the rights to the Child's Play name, which is how they they rebooted the movie with Mark Hamill doing the voice. But here we have um, Chucky, and they're they're continuing the story from the movies, I guess. Now, I thought I saw the, the last movie or whatever, because if this isn't the same continuity... Because I think Jennifer Tilly is going to be in in this this season, so I think it's picking up from her character, whatever in here. Somehow Chucky ends up in a a new doll, which I, I'm trying to remember. Cause I thought I saw it because there's a cult of Chucky. Was there a movie after that? Maybe that's he ended up in a new body then, maybe transferred or whatever. So, anyways, it starts off. So episode uh, season one, episode one, death by misadventure. Um, and overall, I, well, I guess before I get into it. It was a it was a decent show it was or a decent episode. Uh, it seems like it, it, uh, the Rotten Tomato post I saw that it's it's like has some good reviews, but there, there's only like twenty reviews or whatever. This the score I saw was only based off of twenty reviews. It was fine. It's interesting. It's not as violent as the movies, obviously, since it's on cable television. Uh, the story, the characters that we have, it's kind of interesting because. The, the like the main character that we're gonna see, Jake, he's a he's like a middle schooler. He's like maybe an eighth grader, so he's like I like think he's like 14, 13, 14. He just turned fourteen. I don't know. And then then uh, there's there's an interesting um, fact about him that that I'll get to in, in just a, just a minute. So it was it was okay. People liked it. It's just the first episode, so. We'll see see where it goes. It starts off, you know, there, there's news you you hear like talk about like bodies found at the mall, like so. There's all these killings and stuff going on. There's this yard sale and there's a Chucky doll. So this kid Jake sees it. The lady wants twenty dollars for it, but you know she's like, I thought you're into vintage. She's like, No, I'm into retro because she wanted twenty dollars. And she's like, What's the difference? He's like, Ten dollars. He, you know, so he's he's gonna buy it, and you know he gives her ten dollars. But then as he leaves with Chucky, she's like. She looks, there's like a, a knife set there. She's like, oh, someone took the butcher knife. Hmm. There's this other kid uh, that's going to play into the series. His name's Devin Evans. 
And he has like this detective podcast or something like that called Hacken Slash, uh, like H A C K E N Slash. Uh, he's talking about the rise in violence. He mentions Charles Lee Ray being from the area and stuff like that. And at Jake gets home, he has a bunch of sculptures made out of doll, doll parts in his bedroom, which is kind of kind of weird and freaky. He puts Chucky on his desk, and <laughs> he has his cat kind of starts fiddling with it, and then he like hisses at and runs under the bed. So Jake, he's trying to pop the Chucky head off because he wants to use the head for his like big sculpture, but it's like really sticking. So he's just he really tries ripping, you know, just pulling it off. Grabs a Swiss Army knife to see like what it's really made of, but then the the hand starts moving and the cat's just like watching. Then his dad comes home and Chucky starts talking, and his dad thinks he's spending too much time in his sculpture, and you know he's like you know being an artist doesn't pay the bills. And Jake's like, well, mom was an artist, and he's like, yeah, and didn't pay the bills or whatever. Then he's like, and you know I, I hate to tell you, but it's like art can't isn't going to work out this year. He's like, why not? He's like, it's like a thousand bucks. He's like, you know, maybe next year. So his dad's like, his dad's a mechanic, you know, he, he's coming in like overalls or whatever. So, you know, he's the mom's something happened to mom. She's dead. So then, uh, and he's like, Oh, you better, you know, be careful. Your, your cousin's going to come over later or whatever. Cause he's, you know, a bit much to handle, I guess. So his, uh, the dad's brother, wife and the kid, the kid's name's junior. They come over for dinner. So his, the uncle is, offering to help them financially and he's like no no you know what i don't need your help and stuff like that they mention uh junior made regionals he's the best runner in middle school and his dad's like pushing him into harvard already he's like you know i think you you know, need a, another a third you know extracurricular activity because you know that's what harvard is going to be looking at whatever and then uh jake at one point quotes andy warhol war and andy warhol andy warhol why does that sound weird when i say that andy warhol warhol but Junior's like, oh, wasn't he gay too? And then his dad's like, like he's 13. He doesn't know what he is. And Jake's like, I'm 14. So what we find out is Jake, at this point, it's like, Jake might be gay. Which is an interesting thing because you normally don't have like the, the lead character in a horror movie or series as, as gay. So I think that's good. Because at this point, you know, it doesn't make a difference. But it, it does make a difference to those that are watching. So I, I think that this is, a, this is a good thing. So uh, the brother's wife um, asks to use the bathroom or something like that. And she goes upstairs. She ends up going into Jake's room, you know, to make a phone call. And, and she hears something. You know, she's talking to someone. And so she, she opens up the closet. She thinks someone's in there. And Chucky's just standing there. Then she gets scared because the cat jumps out at her. So she's just like, whatever. And so she tells whoever's on the phone, she's like, I really need to see you tomorrow. And so it's like, is she cheating on her husband? It's like, what, what's, who does who she need to see? Because at first, like, is it like a, like a psychiatrist or something like that? But it's like, it kind of feels like maybe it's not that. Like, she must be doing something. Then Jake's dad takes a baseball bat and smashes Jake's sculpture. He's like, no more dolls, Jake, ever. So he's just like, you know, the judgment and stuff, you know, from his, his brother and whatever. And then Jake sees uh, Chucky's foot under the bed and he um, goes to grab him, but then he's like this clump of, of bloody cat or something like that. So Jake looks up the good guy dolls on eBay and there's like going for like $1,500 or whatever. So the next day he gets on a school bus and he's holding Chucky and Chucky's a big doll. If you, if you, you know, think about how, how the size of him. 
And the, the, so here's this middle schooler carrying this big dowel. And when I first started preview, I'm like, why, what, why would he bring this to school? Like one kid throws his gym shorts at him. A couple girls kind of laugh at him. Uh, then Devin Evans is like reading a true crime magazine. And Jake sits behind him. And the way he's looking at him is like, does Jake have a crush on him? Because as he's he's sitting behind him, he starts smiling. And he's like about to talk to him. But then this other kid sits him. He's like, hey, bro, how's it going? Whatever. And, you know, they're talking about some stuff. And he's just like, so he sits back. Jake, um, he's walking down the hall now with a doll. Another kid um, comes up to him as he tries putting Chucky in his locker, but he doesn't fit. He's like, hey, you know, I was just wondering. You know, I really hate this. Like, maybe you could introduce me to your cousin. So, and it turns out his cousin, Junior, is like on the other side of Jake's locker. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, I'm flattered, but, you know, it's not really my thing. Because it turns out he has a girlfriend. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, whatever, like that. Then then he asked Jake, he's like, what's your, your bed buddy's name? And then Chucky's like, hi, I'm Chucky. And he's like, I'm selling him or whatever. And the girlfriend's like, oh, that's so sad. Did you need money or, you know, things really that bad that, you know. So that, that's, why, that's why he brought him to school is uh, probably because if he left him at home, his dad would probably destroy it. And when he realized how much it cost, he's like, okay, I need to keep this safe. And if he told his dad, hey, this is selling for like 50, then his dad's probably going to want to take the money. So in, Jake's now in, in biology class. He's dissecting frogs. And he, Chucky's like on the chair next to him, just like standing there, which is just like so weird. Uh, Jake doesn't want to cut because he doesn't really like blood. And... Um, the teacher's like, oh, you know, you just got to do it, whatever. And if the frog is like really like big, so he cuts into it, and like blood actually starts like gush, like pouring out, which is like that's not what happens, you know, whatever. He starts getting sick, and you know, Chucky's still next to him, and then when he's like done coughing or whatever, he looks up, and the, the frog is like all cut open, and just like everything is just like displayed, like. And the teacher comes up, she's like, that's not right. And he's like, I didn't do that. And then um, kids' phones start buzzing, like all the kids in class. So Lexi started a GoFundMe page to save Jake and Chucky. So kids are laughing at him. You know, they're, they're all bullying him or anything like that. Like one kid trips Jake. And then the teacher is like, he, the teacher's like really, she like swears and she's like, she's like, get the hell out of here or whatever. Then Jake asks the teacher if she can hold Chucky for him because he won't fit in her locker. And she's like, yeah, yeah of course, whatever. And then she asks, she tells Lexi she wants to talk to her after class. So she's like, I want you to take the page down right now. And she's like, but we, we already made $75 for him. And a teacher is like, what has Jake ever done to you? And the teacher's like, you know, I was like you when I was your age. I was arrogant, entitled, and, and, but secretly I was, I was terrified. You know, real life you know, is, is going to be a lot more terrifying than middle school. It's like no matter how pretty or popular or important you think you are, in the end, nobody gets what they want in life. And then Lexi's like, oh, you know, don't worry. She's like, I'm not going to be teaching eighth grade biology when I grow up. And then she's like, yeah, haha. And she's like, well, you know, you're getting detention. And she's like, so I want you to wait in here. And, you know, and Chucky's in there with her. So, like, you know, he's, she's like on a table behind her, and Lexi's just starts going on her phone. At lunch, Jake is listening to Devin's podcast, and then Devin sits across from him. So, he like, he, he's like, he goes to turn it off. He's like, what do you listen to? He's like, oh, you know, whatever is music. And then uh, Devin's like, you know, I'm in a talent show tomorrow. You should check it out. And, you know, he's like, you know, I want to ask you something. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I know you're listening to my show. He's like, I saw it, you know, on, on your your whatever. He's like, 
I was wondering if you'd be interested in being on a podcast. And then he's like, I want to do a series on bullying. And he's like, I thought you only did crime and stuff. He's like, well, bullying is a crime. And so then Jake gets up, you know, he's upset. He gets up and leaves. And Junior, like, sees this reaction. So he's like, hmm. But I don't know. Like, why would Junior care? In uh, the biology room, Chucky gets up. And then some laughing, like, scares Lexi. And she drops her phone. And she sees Chucky standing by the door. And she's just, like, looking at him. Then a teacher walks in and knocks Chucky over. And she she brought in, like, the principal or something like that. And Lexi goes up. She's like, I got to go. She's like, I, I lost my phone in here. So if you can keep an eye out for it. She's like, I'll take the page down. And she just, like, rushes out. But it's like no teen would leave without their phone. It doesn't matter if there was, like, some creepy laughing and doll standing in the door. It's like they would, And she just dropped her phone. So it couldn't have gone that far. But Jake um, gets a message. Someone is very interested in Chucky. And then right after, he gets a phone call from Unknown. The caller like, asks what the condition is. Um, he's like, oh, it's Mint. Then he's like, is the doll's name Chucky? And he's like, yeah. And then the, the caller's like, listen carefully. Has anything weird happened w- lately with Chucky? He's like, be very careful with that doll. And he's like, have you checked the batteries? And then he starts saying something, but then the, the call kind of drops or something like that. So then Jake looks up good guy doll violence and there's like a lot of articles and he sees a picture of Andy Barkley from the first movie with, with Chucky. So in uh, the morning, Jake goes downstairs and he asks dad if he's okay because you know he was, he was up late doing payroll and Jake wants to talk and, and the dad's like, yeah, we need to talk. And he puts Chucky on the table. He's like, I found him in the bathroom. He's like, I thought we got rid of that. But the doll's supposed to be at school. So somehow, you know, it, it ended up in, in their bathroom. And then uh, Jake takes it down to the other room and he checks the batteries and there's no batteries in there. And he's like, <gasps> and then he goes outside and he puts Chucky in a garbage can. So Devin at the talent show, he's, he's playing piano. Uh, Jake did go. He's sitting there. Lexi's uh, the MC, And then she's like, oh, Devin, that was really nice. Was that meant for anyone special? And then she like starts calling out some people like like oh your mom's here like what'd you you know thing or like that and she calls out Jake and people someone's like loser and she's like oh Jake what did you think of that song or whatever she's like now's the chance to tell Devin and his mom what you really think and then a voice ca- calls out to Lexi he's like why don't you pick on someone your own size and then it's uh, Chucky sitting behind Jake so wait how would Chucky get there did because he, he obviously didn't didn't put him there but then uh. Jake picks him up and he whispers to Jake and Jake's like, okay. So he walks up on stage. She's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, doing a ventriloquist act. So Chucky talks and he's like, hey, look what I found. And he has Lexi's phone. He's like, there's a lot of pics of Junior and a lot of pics of Oliver. So I, I think that's that's uh, Junior's dad. And then uh, he mentions like, oh yeah, we all have our secret, right, Bree? Which is Junior's mom. And then he talks about Lexi's search history. He's like, she's Botox curious. She's into Pokemon porn. And she keeps Googling, why do my farts smell so good? And then Chucky just laughs. And and at Lexi's, I think she has a little sister. And she, like, smiles and at, at this. Um, yeah, because she calls her, like, a brat or, you know, because Lexi had said hi to her parents or something like that. And then Lexi just grabs her phone and, and walks off stage. And then uh, Chucky keeps talking and stuff like that. And he, he's like, he swears or says something like that. So the teacher pulls Jake off stage and stuff like that. So Jake comes home with Chucky. Dad's drinking some more. He's like, yeah, your teacher called. He's like, you proud of yourself? He's like, you got suspended. 
And he's like, it wasn't my fault. And dad's like, you know, you insulted your friends and family in front of the whole school. It's like, what do you think was going to happen? Jake's like, they're not my friends. And dad's like, well, they used to be. He's like, you you want them to think you're weird and all like that? And Jake's like, you don't care what they think. You just care that they'll know I'm a fag. And then his dad pushes him. You, he's like, you say that again, I'll kill you. And then, then Jake's like, it should have been you instead of mom. And then he like, he's like, dad's like, go to your room. And then he grabs Chucky away. From, he's like, go. He's like, I don't want to see you anymore. And this Jake's going upstairs. He's like, I hate you. So the dad sits down. And then you notice like behind like that little end table where he put Chucky. He's like, Chucky's gone. And then he looks. He's like, where'd my whiskey go? And then the power goes out. So dad goes down into the basement, and he, he's barefoot, of course, to check on, on the breakers. The lights go on, and Chucky's standing in front of him. And he starts uh, <laughs> he starts puking or, like, spitting out whiskey, and there's, like, some cut wires on the floor. So Jake's dad gets electrocuted. He's like, you know. It's just a little convenient that he's barefoot and everything like that. Jake sees like the lights flicker, so he goes downstairs and he sees his dad getting fried, and Chucky's like standing behind him. And as the lights are flicking, he gets like closer and closer. So it's 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 a little creepy, but nothing happens. So then uh, Jake's sitting at the dining room table. There's the lights are flashing. You know, police are outside. Chucky's out uh, sitting in another chair. Detectives talk to him, and it's so uh, Devin's mom is a detective. And, uh, you know, she says that his Jake's uncle is coming to pick him up. And she asks if he knew that there was a break in at the school last night. And the only thing missing was his doll. He's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I, ne- I never did anything like that before. And she's like, you know, don't worry. You're, you know, you're not in trouble. And he's like, he says that he needed practice for the talent show, you know, the, the, for his ventriloquist thing. Then his uncle arrives, they hug. And, and right then the body bag goes by, like right in front of him. And then, zoop. They they wait till it's like right there to zip up so you can see like his dad's dead face or whatever. <laughs> and Jake's like, I'm sorry. And his uncle's like, it wasn't your fault. And the detective asks what happened to Jake's nose because it was bleeding. He's like, oh, I fell. So they go get arrive at his uncle's house, super fancy. You know, it's a really big house. And you can see, you know, June, you know, as his mom's like, like, oh, you know, we got your room set up. It's like that. Junior's like up at the top of the stairs, whatever. And he's like not really happy. So Bree takes him to his room. Um, before she leaves, she's like, you know, by the way, he's like, what did you mean, mean by me having a secret, whatever? Uh, and Jake's like, oh, I was like, I was just trying to be funny. And she's like, okay. And then as uh, she leaves, whatever, then you see Junior standing outside the hall. He's like a freak just standing there looking. At him. And then Jake just closes the door on him. So then he holds up Chuck, Chucky. He's like, talk to me. He's like, then he says, he's like, he's like, I'm going to make you. And then Chucky like slaps. <laughs> He's like, hi, I'm Chucky. I'm your friend till the end. Heidi effing ho. And there's like an evil laugh. And Jake's like, you killed him. Chucky's like, we did. He got what he deserved. And he's like, he's like, I know an a-hole when I see one. And Jake says that, you know, he, he changed when his mom died. And Chucky's like, oh, I thought you were talking about the cat. <laughs> it's like, poor cat. And then uh, Jake's like, you really are Charles Lee Ray. And he, he's like, yeah, but my friends call me Chucky. And he pulls out the butcher knife. He's like, now, let's talk about that bitch, Lexi. And then uh, then it cuts to the disorder. this opening scene where you see this, like, lady, like, brushing her hair. And then, like, someone comes up to her. So it, it replays that scene again. She's sitting there in front of her mirror, like, brushing her hair. So little, little step comes up. But then um, she's like, Charles. And she picks up the kid. So it's like hack and sack, 1965. 
So oh, Hackensack's the name of the town. I think I don't remember if I said that or not. That's why it's a Hackensack, Hackenslash, whatever podcast. So that's where it ends. So what's interesting is um, I don't know. I mean, are we gonna explore? Charles E. Ray's childhood as well, which could maybe be interesting to flesh out. I don't know if it's fully necessary or anything like that, but I think it could be good to to kind of discover why why is Chucky Chucky? You know, why is Charles E. Ray? You know, oh, he's demented. Why is he demented? So we'll have that. So we have to see. So it was an okay episode, and like I was saying, you know, I, I was kind of surprised when we found out that Jake is is gay. Uh, at first, it just seemed like he was just an awkward kid getting bullied. But I, I think it is good. I don't know who this show is meant for. I mean, are teenage kids going to be watching it? Maybe because it's on cable and, you know, kids want to see, like, you know, horror stuff or whatever. So I think it's good. It doesn't really change the fact of who Chucky is or what Chucky's going to be doing. But having a gay character, I, I do think in this case, it is a good thing. You know, and it's one thing if you're in it, like, in a comics, you know, the Marvel DC comics, where you're going to take a character and then suddenly change their their you know, sexual identity, but here it's a new character. So yeah, let's, let's do this and use that and explore that, but let's not exploit it at the same time. So I feel like it's, it's been a natural thing that it's, it's not like being forced in our face, but it, it is a good thing because even while we're getting a lot more media that has gay characters, I, I think it's good that it was just like, yep, yeah, that's just how it is. So so that's the first episode. Like I said, it was it was fine. I wasn't completely blown away. I'm definitely coming back for the next episode, but you know that's that's how it was. All right then, uh, Star Girl season two episode ten, Summer School chapter ten. It starts off with a flashback. We see Pat packing up the stuff from uh, the Justice Society headquarters. Starman comes in with like a six pack. He's like, "I was wrong to you know bring you with us." He offers him a beer, but he doesn't take it. And then he's like, you know, I, th- I thought bringing you there would be a chance to somehow save Bruce Gordon because we always find a way. It's like, that's what we do, right? Instead, you know, he, he brought him to murder. And he's like, you know, he's, he, then he starts saying, you know, family isn't born, it's chosen. He, and he, Starman says, you know, Pat taught him that. Uh, he's like, on his 16th birthday, you know, he, he got in a fight and the kid and his buddy beat him up and stole his watch. It was like an engraved watch that his parents gave him that morning. And he was scared to tell him that he lost a watch, but then he did. And they had like no idea what he was talking about because they never gave him the watch. It's like they even forgot that it was his birthday. So what had happened is Pat snuck in because he knew that they'd forget. So then he caught the, up with the kid the next day and he got his watch back because it meant the world to him. And he's like, it still does. And then he, he like takes has his pouch and he like still has the watch. So, and he's like, you know, Pat drove him, you know, he taught, taught him how to drive, taught him how to stand up for himself, how to think for himself. He's like, he's, you know, more than a friend, he's a brother. And he's like, you know, most of the time he doesn't treat him that way. Uh, you know, he has a little bit too much of his mom and dad in him and he's sorry, but Pat's like, it's okay. And then when Eclipso was threatening everyone's family, he threatened uh, Starman's family too. And he, he threatened Pat. And he says, he's like, I don't know what's going to happen to the JSA, but I know that I don't want it to destroy our family. And then Pat picks up a beer. He's like, two chosen families. Clink. Courtney is still arguing, you know, uh, the JSA killed an innocent man. You know, were they going to kill Cindy Berman? And she's like, you know, it's it's not on Eclipso. It's on them. It's Then it, you know, it's getting dark. Something drops and smashes onto the counter, and it's a shade. And he admits, he's like, oh, not my best entrance, whatever. 
Mike uh, says it looks like he's dying. And Courtney's like, well, he can't because he's immortal, right? And Shade's like, well, there's an exception to every rule. And he's there to offer his, his assistance in stopping monsters. He'll tell them how to, defeat, how to defeat Eclipso. And Courtney's like, he's not in a host anymore. He's free. And Shade's like, he'll be free as long as the black diamond remains shattered. So he's like, fuse the diamond back together, and they'll drag the beast back into his prison, as long as no one comes into contact with the diamond. Pat thinks that he's just trying to manipulate them like he did Starman. And Mike's like, well, you know, how are we supposed to put the diamond back together? And he's then Shade's like, with the power of light, silly boy, with the staff. Courtney tries using a staff on the diamond pieces. It, it blasts for a little bit, but it's still not strong enough. So she's like, what now? Pat has an idea. So Beth has her goggles on. She's sitting across from her parents. She's just like, oh, you're just staring at me. And they're concerned. She's like, oh, I'm fine. They ask her to take off the goggles. And she's like, well, they help me to see what's real. And they're like, what are you talking about? And she's like, it's hard to explain. They're like, well, why don't you try? And she's like, no. She's like, you don't want to talk about the divorce. So, you know, it's, it's safer this way. And then she gets a message. And she's like, what? Well, oh, Okay. And you know, they're like, like, wait, you're talking to your guy, you know, they, they think they, she's crazy, whatever. And, you know, so her mom's like, I should probably take you to the hospital. And Beth's like, it's like, no, you need to figure out what you're doing, divorce or no divorce. And then they're like, where are you going? She's like, you wanted me to make friends because you're so busy. And so I did. And right now my friends need me. So Pat says that if anything besides the staff will fuse a diamond back together, it would be Jenny's ring, the sort of Green Lantern ring. Barbara says, well, you know, she didn't leave a way for us to find her. Pat's like, well, I have a lead and it'll be a quick trip. Barbara's like, I don't know if Courtney or Mike will ever trust us again. Pat's like, we'll just have to earn their trust. Courtney's like talking to staff and she's like, oh, don't feel bad. You tried your best. So it turns out Courtney's going to go off with Pat. Mike asks her if it's a good idea to leave them alone with the shade. She's like, well, you won't be alone. And then uh, the doorbell rings and it's Beth. And she's like, I'm here to protect you. And she's got a big smile on her face. It's like, okay. Pat and Courtney are driving in silence. It's like awkward. They finally, you know, they're trying to radio. And then there's like this song comes out about like being sorry and betrayal or something like that. So then Pat's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, then she just starts yelling, why did you lie to me? And it's just, it's a little annoying, but whatever. And he's like, you know, you were better off not knowing. And she's like, how could you think murder was okay? He's like, I didn't. And I don't. He's like, there was a vote. He's like, Dr. McNider just lost his daughter. They, you know, they thought, we thought we were out of options. You know, they thought people that they loved were going to die. And she asked, she's like, well, what did you do? And he's like, no, it's, it's what I didn't do. It's like, I didn't stop them. And she says that not telling them caused so much damage. You know, Yolanda would have known she wasn't the first JSA member to kill someone. Pat's like, well, she might have quit anyways. And Courtney says that, you know, it's like we were flying blind. And he's like, I'm sorry. I just didn't want the way you saw the JSA to change. He's like, I didn't want the way you saw me to change. And she's like, well, it has. So Blue Valley Police Department, Rick's lying in his, his prison cell. And then some apples start dropping through the window. And he's like looking, then he starts chuckling because it's obviously Grundy. So he takes a bite. He tries looking outside the window. Just, he doesn't see anything. Beth asks Barbara, she's like with the shade there and Eclipse so free and the JSA killing someone. Then she asks if Dr. McNider took a part in it and her goggles turn on. And then you hear, I made a vow never to take a life. So she tries talking about talking to him, but there, there's like nothing there. So Mike quietly walks down the stairs. He tells uh, the dog, Buddy, to keep an eye on the bad guy. He'll be back with reinforcements. So they say, okay, you're sneaking out. That's probably not a good idea. 
Pat and Courtney are still driving, and she asks, when is he finally going to tell her where they're going? And he says, when they get there. And she's like, she says, you know, holding out on her isn't going to help, and it'll make things worse than they already are. She's like, you know, don't shut me out. So he gives her a paper and says, like, check that out. So it's a Civic City News. Green fire burns federal building. She's like, well, it must have been an accident. And Pat's like, maybe, but there was another fire earlier this week, a green one. It burned down a, an abandoned orphanage. So she must be in Civic City. And Courtney's like, well, it's a big city. And Pat's like, yeah, and there's only one place that, that I would go if I was there. So the Justice Society headquarters. So Beth's on her laptop. She's trying to access the goggles. Dr. McNider says hello. He's in the Shadowlands. She tells him the shade is there. And she's like, I know he tried to kill you the night the JSA died. And he's like, kill me? He's like, no, Beth, he saved me. And he says that the shade may have toyed with being a villain for his amusement, but he doesn't think he ever wanted to take part in killing them. He might have been trying to uh, pull him to safety when he got lost in the shadows. So he got dragged into the Shadowlands. And she asks, you know, how did he get his powers? And McNider says that in the 1800s, he was just a con man. He was hired to steal a black diamond, but instead he made a forgery for this cabal. They heard a story about the diamond, an island, the dark god, and instead of paying shade, they they were going to use him for a sacrifice. But the diamond that he gave them was a fake, so an eclipse was already trapped in the real one. So the ritual was botched, but it opened a doorway to a dark power of the Shadowlands, and it was a power that the, the fake couldn't contain because it needed a vessel, which was a shade. So Barbara comes up to the shade, and she says she has questions. He calls her Emily. She's like, who's Emily? And he says, he's like, oh, my dear sister. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I couldn't help you when father fell ill. I left you all alone to watch him die while I lied and cheated my way into oblivion. He's like, I had unspeakable power while you were by my side. He's like, I tried not to abuse it, but then time took you away from me and I lost my way. Beth tells uh, McNider that they have to get him back. And he's not sure that's possible. She's like, well, if the shade put you into the Shadowlands, maybe he can get you back. And she asks if he can open the files on Eclipse so that maybe there's something in there that can help because all the files are, are classified. And so he does, and then there's like a lot of files to read. And she's like, whoa. In Civic City, Pat's car is brought into the, the headquarters. There's like, it must be like some secret elevator or something like that because it just like rises up. Courtney gets out, and Pat's like, oh, it's like, I haven't been here in like 10 years. And he's like, he says that it was a workspace for him and Starman that each member had one. And this was like their area. Courtney looks around and she sees like newspaper articles on the wall. There's like little model, model cars, group photo, their costumes. Pat says that the meeting room is upstairs. And then she sees some bags and she's like, Jenny must be staying there. And then they, they see like some information, whatever, like Helix Institute for Youth Rehabilitation. Someone named Todd Rice was sent there. Courtney's like, I think that might be Jenny's brother. Where, so where did Mike go? He went to the garage, and he's sitting inside Stripe. So he like tries uh, turning it on. It's like, it vibrates a little bit, but then it powers down. He's like, oh, I thought it'd be like playing with Lego. And then he like hits some other switches and stuff like that. So what he thinks he's going to take Stripe, and he's going to just go to the house with it? I was like, what is he even thinking? My uh, Pat and Courtney drive to the Helix Institute. They go to the front desk. They and they're like, oh, what's your relation to Mr. Rice? And then he notices, like, was like uh, Pat notices Jenny's name was on a sign-in sheet. And the lady's like, oh, she's here, but I'm afraid her brother's not. 
So Jenny is sitting on a bed. She's looking at like at a map of Wisconsin, and she looks at this old picture of her and her brother. Courtney and Pat walk in. The lady's like, "I'll give you time, you know, to collect your brother's things." So Jenny asks, like, "What are you doing there?" Courtney says that they need her help, and Pat says they uh, read about the the fires. And Courtney's like, asks if she's okay, and Pat asks what happened. So Todd's adoption files were sealed, so she broke into a federal building to find them. When she couldn't find them, she got frustrated and angry. So her power then either doesn't work or it works too well. And she says, you know, she's sorry. She you know, doesn't know what to do. And then she's like kind of getting worked up a little bit and her eyes are starting to glow green. So Pat sits next to her. He's like, it's okay. He's like, just trying to be calm, you know, just you know, relax. Um, and Courtney's like, you know, you're not alone. So, you know, Jenny like closes her eyes and everything and just, you know, breathes. And then when she opens them, they're normal. So Pat asks, you know, what happened to her brother? She said that he was arrested for shoplifting a few months ago and ended up there. Then he vanished, you know, just a, a few weeks ago or something like that. So she's like, he's out there somewhere. It's like, I can feel it. And she says that, you know, he had the same picture of them from when they were kids. So maybe he's out there looking for her. And, she, you know, she says, sorry about the fires, but, you know, he's her family. And she's like, you know, you do anything to protect your family. So they go into Pat's car and uh, the lady nurse or whatever at the front desk she's like staring at them from the window as they leave she calls uh mr bones so i don't know if it's the same mr bones from the comics uh detector the director the deo guy she's thought that he'd find it interesting that you know they were there or whatever and she told him that todd wasn't there so maybe he still is mike uh rides his bike after hearing hearing news about pink lightning he sees people looking at like a giant giant candy outside a house made out of gingerbread or whatever, and Mike's like, Thunderbolt. So then Pat lays out pieces of diamond. Courtney um, fills Jenny in on Eclipso and everything. Jenny says that she's sorry she left. But Courtney's like, it's okay. He's like, you're here now. Barbara's still sitting by the shade side. Beth is like reading the articles. Jenny um, tries to ring on the pieces, and they start fusing. So she's like blasting at it. Then uh, Shade's eyes open up, and then they go dark. And Beth's like, oh, no. And she calls to Barbara, and she's like, we have to get them to stop. But Jenny already did it. Beth's like, Shade lied. She's like, fixing the diamond restores the connection between their world and the Shadowlands. But then Shade is up, and he's like, indeed it does. It allows him to access his powers again and heal. And then he says, oh, Barbara, I'm so, so sorry to deceive you. And then he's enveloped in shadows, and he's gone. Beth says that the diamond won't trap Eclipso. It'll summon him. At the Justice Society headquarters, Eclipso's there. He picks up the diamond. Pat tries attacking him and just gets swatted aside. He's like, he's out. Courtney tries blasting him, but there's no power left in the, the staff. Jenny blasts at him, and it holds him back, and it looks like he's in pain, but then he just like pushes through it, knocks her, her back. Then he says to Courtney, he's like, to the shadow lands with you. Pat gets up as Courtney is getting pulled down and then he like grabs her hand and he's like trying to pull her up and everything. She keeps getting pulled down and then she's gone. And Pat's just left like kneeling on the floor. He's like, no, no. So Stargirl's gone. She's dead. Or she's in the Shadowlands. And next week's episodes is going to be like a, a black and white episode as she's in the Shadowlands. And, and spoiler, she's going to see Dr. McNider and she's going to see Cindy. So Cindy Berman's still alive. She's in the Shadowlands. So we'll see if they can get along enough to fight their way out. So I, I like this. I, I still, I think this is such a good show and, and I don't know what it is. It, you know, this show does have some charm to it. So it's just a, it's just a really nice show. And 
yeah so uh you should be hopefully you're what you're watching it then we have the return of dc's legends of tomorrow so season seven episode one so it picks up right where it left off odessa texas 1925 it's a day after the zagron invasion this lady's talking to sheriff you know she says she saw a dinosaur creature in her backyard there's this other girl mentions glowing lights in the treetops this dude says that you know globes fell from the sky and the sheriff keeps saying, like you don't say you don't say you don't say so then we see like what we saw at the end of the last episode. Uh, the legends are heading to the wave rider. It gets blown up by another wave rider and then takes off. So they decide to go back in time to jump to onto the other wave rider, stop them from blowing up their ship. So they, they go to the house, gear up, get weapons. Nate um, tries opening up the power thing with his watch thing, whatever. It flickers and then nothing. It's out of juice. So they're stuck in 1925. Ava mentions that they don't belong in this time period, so they'll have to avoid unwanted attention from the locals. Then there's a knock on the door. So Spooner answers the door. This dude, he says his name is Pastor Hansen. He's looking for Gloria. He heard the explosion. He wanted to make sure everything is all right. Spooner just wants to zap him his memory. But, you know, she's, so she's like reaching for the, the, the zapper thing. But Ava's like, it's out of batteries. So Spooner's just like talks, like everything's fine, everything. And she just closes the door on him. So they need to figure out what to do. And they're like, you know, too bad John isn't here. Maybe, you know, he could help. Gary says, you know, it's too bad they don't have the Time Bureau's time ship because it had a fail safe. And Ava's like, you're a genius. And she said that she had a fail safe in, in installed. So Berard says that the explosion could have sent the lockbox with whatever, could have sent it anywhere in Gloria's property. And Sarah's like, we'll just have to split up and look. So Berard and Zari walk around her talking, and she says she can't believe that after all her time together, John only left her an old key. So, you know, he's like, what's it for? And, you know, she's apparently John's like, you'll find out. Sarah and Ava are together. You know, they're, they're looking around. Spooner and Astra are, are also looking. Um, Astra tries a tracking spell of John's. Uh, these sparkle lights go off, and, and they actually head to the sheriff's. So they, they peek in the window, and we see the pastor found the, the lockbox, whatever, and brought it to the sheriff. They're like, well, now what? How can I get it back? Ava suddenly thinks about Rule 44. And Gary's like, I love Rule 44. And Astra's, or Sarah's like, what's Rule 44? So apparently they have to create a diversion or a cover story. And Rule 44 says the cover story must be a circus. And they're like, that's uh, strangely uh, specific apparently research shows people will accept the bizarreness without questioning. So Sarah says, tells Nate to use his other superpower. He's like, you know, he's like, use your superpower. He's like being metal. She's like, no, your other one. She's like, you're a white man in 1925. Go sweet talk the sheriff into giving you to safe. And she tells Ava to go with him. So Zari's making costumes for everyone from like the curtains and old clothes and everything like that. Sarah starts, they, they all start talking to the town. So Sarah's like the ringmaster. Um, even though you know she's not wearing pants, it's like she's wearing tights, and they're supposed to be members of the Guggenheim Circus, and the people are applauding. You know they're all excited and, and everything. Uh, Nate and Ava visit the sheriff, and Nate says that his name is John Edgar Hoover, and Ava's his secretary. And the sheriff's like, "You look different." And he's like, "Oh, that was just like an old you know stock or whatever photo that was used or something. I don't know." So they, they all start making excuses for the lights, and it's like, you know, there's, there's Komodo dragons that look, you know, people thought were dinosaurs or whatever. And the sheriff shows in the box, and he's like, you know, how did Du Bois in Washington hear about the box so quickly? And Nate says that he's like, well, you know, if I told you all our secrets, they wouldn't be secrets. 
So as everyone's like talking outside and, you know, trying to co- come up, you know, cover the different, you know, stuff, reason like why there's lights and explosions or whatever. Then a little girl asks Gary, she's like, when is the circus? She's like, I really want to go. And then later he tells the other that he panicked and he told him that the circus was tonight. And Ava tells him to calm down. Everything will be okay once they open the safe. So Ava opens, there's like a thumb screen. She puts her, you know, thumb under, safe opens up and it's pretty much empty. There's a note. It says, taking courier, beer run, Rory. So I don't really know what they're supposed to be getting, but maybe it's like the, the time ship or I don't know. Um, but there's also a time bureau manual in there and gummy bears, I guess they're Berard's gummies. And Sarah's like, it'll be okay as long as the town keeps buying their cover story, uh, then they can work on plan B. So then later the sheriff's looking at a newspaper article with a picture of Hoover. And he's like, that fellow wasn't Hoover at all. And he calls the FBI. There, um, he's like, there's you know someone impersonating one of theirs, whatever. So then uh, the others are like, they're, they're gonna have to live in 1925 for a while. The book says uh, the maroon tra- travelers have to stay in one place. They also have to put on a show tonight to keep their cover. Spooner hopes that they get this done before her mom, you know, so her mom does find it. But then her mom walks in, and she's like, oh, you know, people are talking about a circus and everything. And Sarah's like, yeah, we're gonna have to convince the town, so we're gonna have to practice. Astrid, meanwhile, sneaks off, and Gary likes, is like, where's she going? Spooner talks to Gloria, and she, she's already on thin ice, and, you know, she's like, if, if she gets ostracized, so be it. You know, she's like, I'll do anything for my daughter. But Spooner, she wants to pull a plug in the circus, and because you know, she's like, you know, this is my, my mom, and it's like, you know, we, we can't put her at risk and all, all this stuff. And then she noticed that Astra's missing. So Astra went to the wreckage. Gary followed her. And she's going to try using John's resurrection spell. Gary's like, that's that's stupid because it only works on people. But they're, you know, he's she's going to try it anyways. The sheriff is visited by the real J. Edgar Hoover and and some other agent about you know someone impersonating him. Astro with the wreckage starts glowing, pieces start rising and moving, and they're like reforming. Hoover thinks that this is a bank robbing gang because apparently bank robbing is like all the rage. So Astra's nose starts bleeding. Gary tells her to stop. And she's like, John could have done it. But then she passes out and the pieces explode and, and fall back to the ground. Hoover thinks he knows where the, the bank robbers are trying to, uh, what, what they're trying to do, that they're, they're trying to blow open the safe or whatever that they, they took. Um, Astra wakes up in Gloria's bed. Spooner asks her, you know, what was she thinking? And she says that, you know, she was just trying to help them. Spooner's like, you just, you know, created another event by my mother's house because, you know, there's an explosion. Then a car arrives and it, it's Hoover and the other agent. Gloria says that um, she and Esperanza will talk to them. The others need to hide. So uh, Hoover comes to you, know, open door. He, they just walk, walk right in, which seems kind of rude. The others are hiding in the bedroom and uh, they, they, you know, they try going to the closet, but the closet's locked. Barrar's like, why don't you try the key? Maybe that's what it's for, which, which seems like a stupid thing. Sari's like reluctantly, she's okay, whatever. She tries it, and, it, and it, like a light flashes like behind the door. It, it works. So they open the door, and there's like a hallway in the closet. Hoover and the other heard like the flash or whatever, so they're going to check it out. Glory's like, oh, there's just someone back there recuperating. So they all walk through the hall, and they end up in John's mansion. So the, the Hoover and the agent, they go into the door and they just find Astra lying in bed and then they check the closet, but it's just a regular closet now. So they wonder like, wait, are they, if they're in a mansion, are they in a present day? Did they get out of 1925? And Gary's like, no and yes. He's like, they're not in any year. He's like, this isn't really the mansion. 
It's a pocket dimension John made for himself. He wanted a place where he could be all alone, so he conjured it. Nate opens uh, the door outside, and there's just like a bunch of flames. And Sarah's like, is this pocket dimension in hell? And Gary suggests, uh, he's like, ah, you know, we probably should just use a door that we came in through. Ava is looking through the manual for an answer. Sarah's like, you know, they'll figure it out. And Ava's like, you keep saying that. She's like, you know, we're, we're just getting sloppy with everything. Hoover wants to search Gloria's property. Um, the others return to Gloria's uh, after they, you know, they go outside. Gary suggests that they hide in the mansion. But Sarah's like, uh, that, that could help. Ava's like, you know, they should go to New York City because there's this one dude alive who could help them with like time travel stuff or something like that. Hoover and the agent see some of the wreckage. Sarah says that they're going to have to make Hoover think that he was right. So they'll be bank robbers now so they, think they won't make things bad for Gloria. She tells Ava that they'll go back and they'll fix every change that they make, that they'll make a list and then they'll, you know, they'll fix them and cross everything off. Um, Spooner says that you know, she just wants to stay with her mom for a bit and you know, Astra needs to recover. So Gary says, he's like, oh, Hoover's coming back. So Sarah asks Gloria, he's like, do you have any rope? And then Gloria and Spooner are tied up when they come back. Uh, they said that they forced them to help them. And then as they're inside talking to them, like untying them, the others steal Hoover's car and they take off. Sarah and Ava are now wearing dresses and they go to the bank. They start robbing the bank and like people are like applauding because I guess they, people think bank robbers are, are cool because they're, they're supposed to be the Midland gang, which is, I guess, you know, some gang that is in, in the papers. But they only want to steal $93.65. And Sarah like looks at her. She's like, I calculated. That's all we need to get to New York. So they're driving and everything. There's a roadblock. Hoover and the agent guy are there. And he's like, it's oh, they, they call themselves the Bullet Blondes or something like that. And Sarah tells uh, Gary to gun it. But Gary, he's like, well, what, what if he's a good shot or something like that? So Sarah tells Nate to get behind the wheel and everyone else to get down. So he turns metal. or no, he, So he's in the wheel. They start shooting. Then he turns metal. They drive through the barricade, but then they hear something, like someone's on the roof. It's Hoover. Nate freaks out, slams on the brake. Hoover goes flying off. They, they worry. It's like, did they just kill him? But then they, they go and check on him, and he's still alive. And he's, like, kind of wheezing, and he's, like, trying to talk so they get closer to him. And he's, like, you know, Nate's, like, reach, leaning over. He's, like, I'd never miss twice. And he shoots Nate, but Nate turned middle, and the, the bullet bounced off of him, and it hit Hoover in the forehead. So Nate freaked out. He's like, I just killed J. Edgar Hoover, which not really. But Gary, um, he starts writing his name in the IOU book, and Ava just takes it and throws it to the ground. She's like freaking out. She's like, we changed time. We broke history. And she's all the stuff. She's laying on the ground. Nate's like, uh, did we break Ava? And Sarah tries telling her, it's like, It'll, we'll fix everything, and then we'll go on a real honeymoon. Ava realizes, he's like, wait, there weren't any witnesses. She's like, so we have to get rid of the body. And she tells Gary, she's like, eat the body. He's like, he's like, I don't know if I should eat an important person in history. And she's just like, just do it, whatever. And he's like, you're a bullet blonde now. So he's like, oh, he gets excited by that. Astra is up and she's like outside tending to the garden because she wants to make herself useful. Uh, she's upset with herself. You know, she said she, she tried to spell. She wasn't ready for her former mentor would be so disappointed in her, whatever. Spooner is going to try to bury the piece of the wave rider. Astra says that, She's like, oh, I'm going to miss the wave rider. And Spooner's like surprised that she's getting sentimental. And Astra says that, you know, she wasn't just trying to protect Gloria. She wanted to prove that she was useful like John. And Spooner's like, we don't need another John. And then she's like, you know, you're my best friend. And Astra's like, no one's ever said that about me before. And she's like, you're my best friend too. And then um, 
she said like something on, on I forgot what it was like some word was John's last word or something like that and she says it while sitting on a piece of the wave rider and then red night red light starts flowing around everything and then there's this naked woman like standing there and they're like Gideon so somehow John left a spell to make Gideon human so I I don't know know where they're going with this so they're still in 1925. But now they're split because the others are going to New York and then Astra, Spooner, and now Gideon are in Odessa. So that's where things end up. So we'll have to see. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was an okay episode. It, it was fine. You know, the, the, the thing about this show, the reason I, you know, I'm still watching is, you know, I, I like the characters and, and they're fun. You know, the, it show is a little goofy. It's almost a little too goofy sometimes, but whatever. You know, it, it's fine. So I'll, I'll keep watching. But then um, Titans... Season 3, episode 12, Prodigal. Rachel says that she can feel, feel Dick dying. And Gar is like, can you find him? And you know, she's not sure. He, they they um, come up to, they, they try to track him down. They find him lying in a town square. There's like no one else around. Rachel tries using her powers on him. But he, she's like, it's too late. So he's dead. Gar like screams out. And then bats starts flying around. There's something with the bats. They start flying around overhead. And then Gar starts turning into a bat. You know, and then he like shrinks down. So there's a swarm of bats and guard. They, they fly around. They lift Dick up and they start carrying him away. And Rachel just follows him. They end up going to like the Lazarus pit and they they lower him into it. And then guard changes back and he's like, is he going to make it? And she's like, I don't know. Jason arrives at the bat cave and Crane's there. He's like, Nightwing's dead. And Crane's like, he has like this giant like hook, like whatever, scythe on a chain. And he's like, oh, Batman saved my toy. He's like, I didn't think Batman was so sentimental. And Jason's like, did you hear what I said? And Crane's like, so? He's like, he wasn't my monster. He was your monster. He's like, you want a cookie? And Jason's like, I did what you told me to. He's like, I want to save Gotham. And Crane's like, like, Gotham will be saved, but it has to be destroyed first. Crane starts babbling some more. And he's like, you know, soon they'll die, all of them. Jason, you know, he, he says Jason still stinks of fear after everything he gave him. And Jason's like, he said, you know, he's like, you told me I was going to be their savior. He's like, I won't let you destroy the city. And Crane's like, perhaps you won't. And then he's like, swings a hook at him. Jason ducks and more swinging and stuff like that. And then Jason like crawls back and runs out of the room. It's like, really? It's like, you're afraid of, of Jonathan Crane? It's like, come on, you should be able to kick his butt. So stupid. But, you know, I guess Jason's just, you know, whatever. He's just all messed up. So Donna uh, talks to Tim, uh, Tim's dad about their plans. Uh, he says that the crane cops are wiping out the resistance cells one by one. They're headed right towards him. Uh, Tim's cousin comes in with a bunch of weapons. Tim walks in and, and his cousin's like, you know how to use an Uzi? And Tim just says, Nightwing's dead. And Donna's like, that's impossible. And Tim's like, they, ha they have photos of his bodies out on the street. So he, and she's like, you can't believe everything you see. So the parents are talking. You know, they, they need to figure out a way out of Gotham. And Tim's like, I'm not leaving. He's like, I'm fighting for Gotham. And they, they tell him one last time. He's like, you tried. You almost died. And Donna's like, you know, no one's going to die. And you know, she tells him to stay. She's like, stay here. She's like, I'll be back. At GCPD, Barbara's lying in a cell. Fletcher opens the, the the door, and you know he has like I think he's either bringing her food or, or taking it away, and um, or maybe takes it away. He he she's like, what are you doing? He's like, what you should have done. And he walks out, and then like the camera turns on his crane. He's like, sorry, I'm late for our daily chat. He's like, 
but I just, you know, I lost my right-hand man recently, and I realized that I do have a man, and I have a right hand. So he cut off the dead pizza delivery guy's hand. And he's like, time for deadly trivia. This is so stupid. He's like, what's merrier than Christmas and jollier than an elf? Johnny in the Batcave. I was like, what? What does that even mean? I have no idea. Johnny in the Batcave? He's, so he, Jonathan Crane, he's merrier than Christmas and jollier than an elf? so stupid then uh, Barbara just rolls over and he's like oh tough crowd and then he says that he knows something will perk her up he's like Nightwing is dead and you know she starts kind of like choking up or whatever you know she has her back to him and you know she doesn't want to let him know that there's a reaction the Lazarus pit meanwhile is bubbling and swirling Um, then we see Dick he's like walking through a cave so this like obviously isn't real and um, he hears Crane and asks he's like where where are you Or, or where am I and Crane's like, eternity. And he starts talking about the beginning when his parents died. His battle for his soul is over. He's like, he lost. You know, he chose the, the wrong path with Bruce. With, you know, Bruce Wayne wasn't his, his father. He's like, your father would be so disappointed. You failed him like you failed everything. And he's like, Jason never stood a chance. And he says that Dick wanted him dead, so he killed him. And Dick's like, no. He's like, that was a Joker. And Crane's like, the Joker was, was just your weapon or something like that. Blackfire, meanwhile, commandeers some dude's car car um she threatens him with fire and because he's like oh you know because she's like I, I need your car and he's like you know f off or whatever so he like gives her the car and then crypto finds her and she's like where is he so they arrive at the place at the radio place um connor still has like the kryptonite dust on his face so she burns it off and he gasps awake and he's upset he's like dick said that we are family he's like they're not supposed to betray you and he says like there's you know there's a part of me that wants to destroy dick for what he did to me and he's like, but there's a part that says family is everything. And, you know, you should always do good, not harm. And Blackfire is like, well, you know, maybe we can do good together, be a team, you know, just the two of us. Crypto barks. And she's like, oh, and Crypto too. At a restaurant or at the, the family, the, the, the Drake family restaurant, whatever, the cops are coming. Tim's dad and Tim and cousin go out the back. This big, like, GCPD armored truck, whatever comes. And they're like, oh, oh, crap, here we go. But it's, it's Donna. And she tells them not to ding up their ride. Rachel's crouching at the Lazarus pit. She tells Gar that Dick has to fight, that they can't help him anymore. Gar groans. He's, he's still working through the bats. He doesn't know how he did it. He says it's like his ability to change is locked behind a door. The fear cracks it open for a brief moment, but then it, the door slams shut again. And he, you know, he knows he can do and be more. And Rachel says, like, you know, her whole life she thought it was hate and that gave her her power, like her father. But she learned it wasn't hate. It was love. Love for Gar, for Dick, for Corey. And then, you know, so she's saying that, you know, maybe he just needs to learn to, you know, whatever. But then the water starts, like, sloshing in the, the Lazarus pit. In Dick's uh, vision, he, he kind of be, he's, like, dressed as a joke or whatever. And he has a crowbar. He's, like, beating on Jason with it. And Crane says, you know, now he's his and he's never going to escape. But then Dick looks at the bloody crowbar and he's like, I don't want this. And he like struggles and he like drops it. Now he's out in the woods. There's this little kid laughing with his dad as they're kind of like running down this path. So it's supposed to be him and his dad. They walk up to him and Dick tells his dad that he's sorry. He's like, I lost my way. I was trying to be someone else. And his dad's like, it's okay. He's like, I love you. And then, you know, they walk off. There's this little girl with a red balloon. At first I was like, is this supposed to be like, Corey is a kid whatever um she walks towards him and he like reaches out as she hands him the balloon and she's like hi daddy 
So is this supposed to mean that he's going to have a kid with Corey? Like, then he's back at the Batcave. Crane's there, more babbling. Then he's out in the city. He talks to Jason. Crane pushes him aside, says that, you know, his father father isn't the only one he failed. He failed Jason. Dick says that, you know, he can still save him. Crane's like, no, you know, he's mine now. He's like, you know, you had your chance and you failed. Then he moves to punch Crane in the face, but then he punches out of the Lazarus pit. Then he crawls out and passes out. Crypto Superboy and Blackfire, they go to see that scientist dude, the guy that had Blackfire locked up. She says that she sees like, oh, you're still doing the government's ill deeds. He's like, well, you know, it's more like research. So she uh, blasts a computer and she threatens him. And he's he's like, oh, you know, maybe instead of you know destroying uh, government property, he's like, I might have something that that you want. He's like, I can prove it. So then the, he takes her in this other room and it's her ship. And he so he told her he destroyed it, but it was a lie so that they could study it. He's and he's like, and you know, I would love to return it to you, you know, because you're going to spare my life or whatever. So she says, she's like, I have no need for it. She's like, why would I want to go home to a place where everyone hated me? You know, it's just like here. And then Corey walks in. She's like, you know, he's like, we were wrong. And then she's like, how'd you find me? She's like, I was because you said you had unfinished business. And then uh, Blackfire lights up her hand. She's like, if you came to kill me, and Corey's like, I'm not killing anyone. He's like, but we do need to talk. Dick wakes up with a gasp. He's he's kind of surprised to see Rachel and Gar. They ask what happened, and he's like, Crane can be stopped. But it's like there's not even any time to catch up. Like, hey, Rachel, how you doing? What happened? Uh, he tells them where he left Connor, so you know, go see if he's okay. And he's like, unite the Titans, and he just walks out. And Rachel's like, unite the Titans where? And then he's like, take them to Donna. And Gar's like, wait, did he say Donna? But it's like, does Nightwing even know that Donna is alive? Like that, that kind of doesn't make sense. Uh, Drakes are packing up, uh, packing the, the police transport, you know, putting stuff in the back. Tim wants to stay and fight with her. And she tells him, she's like, you know, look at your mom's face. It's like, she can't lose her only son. And she's like, you know, you need to put your needs above those of others. Like, that's what heroes do. Blackfire hears the truth about their past. And she's, you know, she said it felt like she was meant to be more. She asked if Corey had, you know, any idea about, she's like, you had no idea about this the entire time? And Corey's like, no. And Blackfire's like, our parents did this. They lied to both of us. And she's like, she, she, she's like, I know my truth. She's like, I want my throne. And the research dude uh, said, you know, he was studying the power orb of the ship and it accidentally got destroyed. So like the ship kind of doesn't work. Uh, and the only way to do it, it's like it has to be like this intense heat and pressure and whatever, all, all this stuff. Connor um, wants to talk. He's, and he's like, why are you doing this? And, you know, he's like, why do you want to go back? She's like, you know, they never appreciated you. And she's like, it's different now because I'm their queen. And, you know, he's like, you know, I appreciate you from the first moment I saw you. He's like, you know, you should just stay here with me. And she's like, it's not that simple. And he's like, he says that, you know, she's just like the rest of them, you know, promise one thing and then she does another. And she's like, there's been this voice inside her telling her that she was, you know, something more. And now she knows. And, you know, if she doesn't go back now, she never will. So she says that, you know, she knows it's asking a lot, but please, will he help her? So like to, to make the power orb thing. Rachel and Gar go to the, the radio place. They see Connor's gone and Gar sees like there's kryptonite dust. He's like, what happened here? Uh, then you hear on the radio, Tim starts talking, saying their location is no longer secure, but uh, there's Titan on site. So they're like, what does that mean? Donna's driving the vehicle. Tim like wants to get out. He's like reach for the door and because he wants to stay and fight. And she's like, what, you think you can do better than me, Hawk, Hawk Dove, like Nightwing? 
and he's like he says that you know even before she and, and hank helped him cross the bridge when when they were dead he's like he knew that he had to make it back to save his family in gotham and be the next robin so he says if he dies doing it so be it which is just it's like so such stupid idea it's like how, why is he automatically think he can be robin you know and he's like he has no training because she's like there's just one problem you're not robin She's like, having some secret tech basement doesn't mean that you're ready. She's like, I was literally born to do this, and I still ended up training my whole life. And she's like, even with that, there's no guarantee I'll make a difference. And he's like, well, at least you tried. And he's like, Hank wasn't born to be Hawk. He just knew it was his path. So it's just, yeah. Okay, Tim. Superboy is uh, like squeezing the orb. I guess it's at the right temperature and all doing all this stuff or whatever. Uh, then we see Jason he he's out shoots his gun out in the streets and he's like that's right mofos like the hood is back but he's not wearing his helmet and he's like nightwing is gone and this is a thanks you give me and then you hear dick calls out his name and he's just wearing regular clothes and he has his helmet and and jason's just looking at him he's like wtf and he's like don't do this to me he's like i saw you die right here and dick looks down dick looks down and he's like i was in the pit he's like like you i came out alive and jason's like who took you there? And he's like, I don't know. And Gar and, he's like, Gar and Rachel were there when I came to. And he's like, you know, he's like, we, we don't have time. He's like, I need your help. And Jason's like, you need me to help you? He's like, I'm an effing murderer. Dick says that, you know, Jason knows Crane's operation and how he thinks. So he, ne- he needs to be stopped or a lot more people are going to die. And he's like, you want redemption? He's like, do you? He's like, this is the first step. And Jason's like, he says that you know he has everything. You know, Crane has the police, the Batcave, and you know Dick's like, well, you must have said something. And Jason's like, he was saying some crazy stuff, like waves of anger and all this stuff. And then something about you know Bruce and Dick stopped him at this one thing. So Dick mentions a poem that he sent before with his plan. So they need to stop him because um, it's something like like I think he's going to try to infect like a bigger water supply or something like that. So then. Um, he holds the helmet out to, to Jason. Jason holsters gun. He's like, so am I a Titan again? And Dick kind of pauses and he's like, no. He's like, you'll never be a Titan again, but you can help me save Gotham. So Jason takes his helmet Then he's like, how do we know you're not going to kill me? And Dick's like, because I know what it's like to die. Connor finishes the orb. You know, it's, it's ready. Corey asks if, if Blackfire is all right. And you know, she's like, I don't know. She's like, I wanted this forever. She's like, what if they still don't accept me? And Corey's like, you know, if, if you want, he's like, I can go with you. And Blackfire's like, and leave your family here forever? Corey's like, you are my family. He's like, I could vouch for you, help the people understand what happened. And Blackfire's like, no. He's like, this is something I have to do on my own. And then they start the ship. It starts shuddering. And Corey's like, something's wrong. She's like, turn it off. But Connor just like kind of side glances at her. And then it explodes. And they go flying back. But he's just like stands there. So obviously connor sabotage the orb he wanted to because he doesn't want blackfire to leave which is a little juvenile and kind of jerky so they're they're still donna and tim and the parents they're driving to get out of gotham there's a roadblock up ahead and there's two squad cars behind them tim's like if they see a titan it's game over so jack gets in the driver's seat he uh he tells him he holds out like his badge he's he's gcpd retired they want to see like what's in the back of the transport. They're like, oh, it's just like water and some stuff. He's like, got to stay safe, right? So uh, he's about to get up. They're like, no, the kid. So they make Tim open up the back, open the door. Donna knocks the dude out. Um, 
Jack knocks the other guy out. The cops at the road bar, roadblock start shooting at them. Donna rips off the door in the back. And she's like using it as a shield. Fletcher comes into Barbara's cell again, and she's like sitting in her chair, like like you know hanging over. And he's like, okay, crap. Like, what happened? So he goes to check on her. She knocks him out because she has like a baton or a skirmish stick or whatever that's like hidden in her wheelchair. So she knocks him out, takes his gun, flips off the camera, and then locks the cell door. She's wheeling down the hall. And then a couple of like dudes see her. They're like, hey, they start chasing her. And one's like about to shoot her as she gets in the elevator. And the other's like, no, Crane wants her alive. So she's able to shut the elevator door. She goes to a secure level using her handprint, whatever. And then she's like in Oracle and she tries activating. She's like, Oracle, she's like, if you're you're there, how can I bring you back? Dick and, and Jason break into, I, I guess it was like a the Batcave vault or something like that. There's a lot of weapons and stuff. And it almost looks like it's a museum. There's like all this stuff. In one container, they, they, they look at, there's just a book of poems. So what, what they wanted was supposed to be in there. And so I guess Crane took like all the medicine and stuff like that. And so so maybe he's going to infect the, the water supply or something. I don't know. I'm not really sure. We're really clear what his, his plan was. GCPD are carrying these vials of glowing liquid. So this must be what Crane took. He, Crane grabs one and he's like, September has come. Now the time for dying or whatever. Now's the time for dying. And it's just like, whatever, dude, shut up. It's time for you to die and go away because you're annoying. But that's that was the episode. So, yeah, things are moving along. Uh, it, we'll see. I don't know what they're going to do with Jason because, you know, he has killed. But he, he Was he brainwashed by Crane? Yeah, but he was. Yeah, we'll have to see if is there any forgiveness for that or not. So it'll be interesting. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, you know, Donna reunite with, with Dick and, and Rachel and Gar. So that, that's going to be cool. Then with Doom Patrol, Season 3, Episode 6, 1917 Patrol. So if Rita's in a, in a time pod. It's, like, shaking and she's thing, things float by. It's almost like Wizard of Oz. Just, like, just things just kind of going by as she's going through time. She's thinking back, like, over her life, and she realizes that she barely chose to do things. Um, she, like, she rarely chose, like, her own path. And she's kind of, like, crying. And it's, like, the tears represented tears of shame and regret. Then with each tear, her memory was purged. So by the time she landed in 1917, she was a blank slate. So, you know, this is like being narrated or whatever. Um, so she, it's Iowa, 1917. The pod, you know, climbs up through the ground, whatever. Rita stumbles out and this lady's in the field. And she's like, oh, whatever. And she, and she doesn't, you know, that surprise or whatever. She's like, I'm going to be the first to welcome you to Iowa. She's like, my name is Betty Ann Bucklestone. And Rita's like, <laughs> so there must be something with time travel because she's like, can I use your restroom or something like that? She's like, well, I don't know if it's really a place to rest or something like that, but... And then she's like, what's your name? And Rita's about to answer. And she's like, uh, that, that's a good question. So then there's a lot of people like looking at the pod and stuff. The Bureau of Normalcy arrived and, and they're talking to Rita. They're like, where's the pilot? And what's your name? And because, you know, they don't believe that, you know, she's a pilot of, of, the, of the time machine. And she finds a piece of paper in her pocket and it says, Laura DeMille and Sisterhood of Dada. So she's like, my name is Laura DeMille. And one guy's like, oh, you're a wisecracker now, huh? And she's like, oh, no. She's like, I'm not trying to wisecrack anything. And then her right cheek starts sagging a little bit. And, you know, she's like kind of surprised by that. And the agent's like, okay, I've seen enough. It's like, and they take her away. 
While this is happening, the brain and Monsieur Mala are watching through binoculars. Uh, the brain is not happy that the blasted bureau bottom feeders are there. Uh, brain tells Mala to sketch the pod before they take it away. And he says, um, you know, something tells him if he reverse engineers the sketch, he can design his own ship. And then all his plans for world domination will come into sharp focus. Monsieur Mala corrects him. He's like, uh, uh-uh. he's like our plans. He's like our, our plans for world domination. And brain's like, sure. It's like, uh-huh. So Paul, Larry's son, he's lying in Larry's bed and he's like babbling, saying some stuff like stapler flies at dawn, yams, you know, whatever. Kay and Jane are, are planning something. So Jane's going to pretend that she's going to get shoes, but Kay gets on the train. And so I guess she's going to the top. So she's going to take over her body. Cyborg talks to Cliff and he's like playing a, like some game on a computer and uh, Cyborg is like, I told you not to click any pop-ups. And there's a, a pop-up cam of uh, some girl named Ginger. And she's apparently just keeping him company while he plays a game. Cyborg's like, and he's like, you know, I was thinking, he's like, am I the hammer or am I the nail? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's heavy or whatever. And he's like, am I an approximate man? And he's like, why is even Cyborg? Which is, you know, stuff that that dude was saying. So dude is an approximate man. I think that's, that's who he is in the comics, but I don't really know much about him. I just call him the, the bike dude because he has those bike wheels on his back. The, at the Bureau of Normalcy, 1917, Rita's told to sit down in a chair. His two agents look through the window of a door, and it says, like, Meta Recruiting Lab. The door opens. This guy, like, in a suit is brought out, and his, like, body's kind of smoking. And then someone inside is like, enter. And it's the real Lord DeMille. And uh, she's sitting behind a, a desk. Uh, Rita sits across from her. And, you know, it's, it's she, so Laura's just, like, kind of writing something down or whatever. And then uh, Rita's like, what a lovely laboratory. You know, she's, like, trying to make conversation, do something. Then she's like, what is, what is it that you do here? And, you know, Laura's just writing stuff down. And, and she motions to a clipboard that has questions. And so she's like, well, I don't know who I am. And she's like, why am I? She's like, oh, that's, you know, very trippy or very whatever, um, as existential and so she says that, you know, the trip made her memory discombobulated. Um, the one thing that she has is a sheet of paper. So it would seem that she is from the sisterhood of Dada and that her name is Laura DeMille. And without even saying anything or looking at her, Laura just like takes her like her, her name, her desk name plaque thing and just puts it in front. And it says Laura DeMille, like research specialist or something like that. Recruiter. I forgot what it was. Meta recruiter. Rita. She's like, oh, look at that. We have the same name. Or, or not. So she's like, if um, if she's Laura DeMille, then, you know, who is the sisterhood of Dada? Laura pulls out a cigarette and asks if she has a light. And she's like, no. So Laura lights a match and she's like, not flame. And she holds it out, like, towards Rita. And it's, like, starting to burn towards her finger. And Rita's, like, looking at it. And then she blows it out. So then Laura's like, not telekinesis. And then she knocks a teacup off her desk, and Rita's arm is like stretches out and catches it. And Laura's like, "Did that? Did that hurt?" And she's like, "No." She's like, "I'm not sure how it felt, but it felt good." So Laura stamps on a piece of paper, "Not a weapon." So it's like on his file. In the present, Laura asks, leans in front of you know, close to playing a video game, and she's like, leans in front of him, and it kind of scares. He's like, "Ah!" And she asks about the sisterhood of Dada, and he's like bunch of super self-absorbed kookle doodle metahumans who definitely do not like you and he says 
when when he said her name, he got <laughs> he got a foot up his ass and not in a good way. And he's like, you should probably stay away. He's like, they were working on some weird, creepy baby thing. And she asked him to draw it. And <laughs> he just, she tries drawing some like lines. It's like barely a shape. And she's like, and what is that? And he's like, hello, robot fingers. And she asks if, if he's aware that their little Rita stole her time machine. He's like, and that sucks for me. Why? And then she just like throws a teacup at his head. <laughs> she's like, constantly, there are going to be like no teacups in this house. So Rita's taken to work in the mail room and she's using her stretching arms to like sort, you know, to, to take letters and put them in people's boxes or whatever. There's this other lady in there with her and, you know, then she's just like kind of talking and she's like, when she doesn't know her name, she's like, maybe we'll call you Bendy. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, everyone uh, from the last episodes there, like the dude with the proximan, the dude with the bike on his back, uh, the lady in the glass cage with the mask speaking Japanese, um, the, the lady was the fog. And there's this other dude too. So I forget if he was in the episode or not. I don't think he was. It's lunchtime during the cafeteria. Rita grabs some food and she sits at a table, but then they get up and leave. Laura's sitting at another table and she just like looks at her and tries like signaling her to like to leave to move and and you know she doesn't like do anything uh the bike dude comes in and they walk through a door that says metas and so rita you know she follows them and as she's leave one person's like freak so they're all like sitting like down in the basement eating so Kay, meanwhile she's at the top jane's like watching through the the s- s- binocular sightseeing thing whatever i forget what they're called uh, Kay's going to go get some shoes, but this girl rode up to, to the store and left her bike out front. So Kay slash Jane, Kay, you know, she's in the, the Jane body or whatever her body. She sees like the bike and the streamer and she decides to take it. So she just stole a bike. Pretty Polly sees Jane. She's like, what are you doing? And Jane tells her, she's like, oh, F yourself sideways. <laughs> and Polly asks, she's like, how could you let the girl go up? And Jane says that it's never been what she wants. And she asks, you know, she's like, did you ever do anything nice? She said, kindness might be their only commodities that they have there. So Cyborg, you know, he's going on a hike. And, like, this couple walks by and they, like, freak out but like behind him. They're, like, taking selfies behind his back. Rita, or Rita, uh, Cyborg finds out right away because he has notifications on Grid. So he, like, sees these pictures behind him. Then he's like, turn notifications off. Rita's back in the mail room. She sees a letter and she gasps. There's a sign that says, Niles Calder on assignment, hold all correspondent. So she puts a letter with some others, like in, like, I don't know if it's in a rubber band or something like that. And she pulls out this jacket and she sniffs it like that. Laura comes in and she's like, what's so special about Niles Calder? And she's like, I'm not sure. Then she asks if she remembers anything else about the sisterhood. But then uh, um, some like smoke starts coming in or whatever. And, and Laura's like, they're in a safe place. Shelly made it. So Shelly is, is the fog. And they're the sisterhood of Dada. They ask Rita if she's from the past or the future. And, you know, she doesn't know. Laura says that, you know, maybe she can help. You know, she's like, they're going to be making a, a moving picture soon, and which obviously they do. And Shelly asks, she's like, are we important? And Rita's like, I wish I could remember. And then they, like, smoke a joint or something like that. They're doing some weird dancing. At one point, Rita's, you know, she says, you know, she she needs a, a break. And she talks to the, the, this, the one guy the the last guy smoking a pipe or something like that and he's talking about like he traded his heart for canary so he like unbuttons his shirt whatever he has this there's a hole in his chest 
and there's like this big cage in there because this bird like flies up to it and he puts it back in the cage. Then they're going to all make poems or something like that. So they pick a word from a hat. Rita chooses chocolate. You know, the word she picks is chocolate. And then Laura's like, chuck. And they all start saying, chuck, chuck, chuck. And they're like flapping their arms like chickens or whatever. And then Laura uh, picks mountains. And they're like, moo, moo, moo. And then uh, Lady Gaga poker face starts playing. And there's like more dancing. So it's like, what the heck is going on here? No idea. So it's just, just weird. Cliff is uh, playing a game, and he's uh, so he's at a computer, and you know, he's there's got another, he's got like three screens going on. And another game, he's playing like like poker or something like that, online poker. Ginger's still on, on her screen, and then she's like, "Oh, we're out of time," and he's like, "Oh, you know, just run the card again." And she's like, "Yeah, it's been declined." And she's like, "Do you have anything you can sell?" And you know, he's going on about dying and deciding he wants to live and be a better person for his daughter and grandkid, and then you know, so he's still wants to you know stand there and talk to her. I don't know. Rita wakes up with the others. You know, they're lying on pillows and stuff like that after their big night of partying. Uh, she tells Laura that last night was pure joy, you know, not a care in the world. Laura's uh, like, you don't think you had anything like that where you came from? And Rita's like, you know, she doesn't really think so. Kay's riding the bike with a smile. Jane keeps watching. And then this dude stops her. And Jane's like, no, 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 no. She's like, don't talk to him. No, no. And he's like, are you okay? And he's like, are you just learning to ride? And she's like, yeah. He's like, you know, if it were me, I'd be more careful with the cars. And then he just walks away. And Jane's like relieved. Larry talks to Paul. And, you know, he's like, I'm sorry you got sucked into this battle with the Bureau. And Paul's like, I didn't. He's like, I asked for this assignment, whatever. And Larry's like, but the Bureau's evil. And Paul goes off on him. He's like, you know, and he's like, and don't call me son. He's like, you weren't there. And, you know, Larry said he stayed away to protect him. And Paul's like, you know, you did it to protect yourself. And he's like, you know, you sucked at being a dad. And, you know, Larry's like, like, we don't get to, you know, pick our paths. You know, he's like, I didn't choose to be a radioactive monster, you know, having to wrap myself up all the time, having to unwrap myself just to take a piss. He's like, not being able to touch anyone for 70 god darn years. And, you know, he's like, I am your father. He's like, I've loved you since you're born. He's like, no, I loved you since I first heard you were conceived. He's like, you know, this is how you're, you feel. It's like, I'm done trying. And, you know, he's like, you can't take away how I feel and the memories I have. He's like, so if you're feeling better, I think you should leave now. And this uh, kind of like catches uh, Paul off guard. And he's just like, okay. It was almost like a slap to the face. And he just like leaves. Cyborg is still hiking. He's thinking back to like his time with his mom in the, the dream whatever thing when they were hiking. And uh, she's talked about the ritual that she had with her father every time they hiked up there. She put a rock under the tree. And he's thinking back to Lloyd, the the proximate man the, the bike dude saying cyborg doesn't even know who he is he thinks about S silas saying everything i did was to protect you and uh you know his mom saying that you know anything he does now is his choice so um he you know he's at the tree with he finds all these rocks and he picks one up and he puts it in his pocket and, and gets up at the bureau uh it's lunch rita and the other lady holly they they get lunch and uh people are laughing and mocking them then Rita decides to sit at a table so the people get up. Um, Lloyd, Shelley, and a mask lady come in, and you know he's like, you're out of your mind. So he grabs sandwiches. Shelley sits. The mask lady sits. And, you know She's like, now or never. So they're all staring. Rita's face, you know, she's because she's getting nervous because they're all staring at her. So her face starts starts drooping. And they're talking about, like, like, oh, look how ugly she is or whatever. 
and they're like, you know, it's like, I can't look away, but it's so hideous. And then she sees her reflection. She tries to get up, but then her leg starts drooping. So she can, she can't really walk the pipe dude and Shelly catch her. And he's like, never let them see you sweat. And Rita starts saying uh, piffle peffle. And then they start flapping their arms. The mask lady, she waves her hand and makes uh, everyone's clothes change into clown outfits. So now they're like piffle peffle, piffle peffle. And they're standing on the tables and everything like that. A guard comes in and like blows a whistle. And he orders all the matters to come with him right now. And they keep uh, saying like piffle peffle, caca, jamin fu, piffle peffle, caca, jamin fu. Or something like that. I don't know what the second part is because I don't speak French. And they're still like, you know, flapping their arms and they're going down the down the halls and they're holding hands, or whatever. Then the, the guard like turns around and they're like, oh crap, now what? But then the guard changes his face and it's really Laura. So she's like a shapeshifter. They all sigh in relief and Laura says that, you know, now, or they are the sisterhood of Dada and she will stand by their side, but now they have to go. The real guards are coming. So Jane uh, is talking to the shrink persona lady i forgot her name and another one they say that you know she may be the primary but she can't take risks like this and Kay, you know comes off the train she has a bike and she's you know she's like thanks jane it was great and they tell jane that it could have gone a lot worse she's like i just watched a girl teach herself to ride a bike after being held captive in her own mind for almost 70 years she's like in one afternoon she freed herself from that bondage and found a little joy she's like some things are worth the risk and pretty Polly's like, it would be nice if the other personas were consulted beforehand. And Jane says, you know, if Kay gets better, we get better. And, you know, she's like, when I saw the wind going through her hair, she's like, I realize this is the next step. The shrink's like, you don't know what the next step is. And then she's like, she's like, you just do what you want. And Jane's like, well, then you tell me what is the next, what should the next step be? And she doesn't an answer. She's like, that's what I thought. And then the, so she leaves. And then the shrink tells the other that she's like, no more idle threats or something like that. So they're going to do something. Cliff has a bunch of stuff from the other. So he's like trying to sell stuff, which is like really crappy. I mean, it's just really annoying that he can be such a jerk to think that this, he's so selfish and everything. It's like, how could you think that this is even okay? So then he, he's like, he's going to like put himself like for sale or like his, someone asks him, or he like was like, what am I doing? Because someone wants to blueprint his body. He's like, this is like my DNA. And he's like, oh, man. And then he's like, well, whatever. So he's just like, he's going to do it. Cyborg goes to see a Dr. Chalmers about synthetic skins. He has an appointment. So, you know, they tell him just to wait and uh, fill out a questionnaire. And it's like, what is it you want to change about yourself and why? How will your life improve if you get synthetic skin? So Larry's watering flowers in the room and then the lump is back and he's, he's like, he thought it was gone. So he's in pain and he falls to his knees. Rita is standing before the time machine and it's like whatever in the storage room and then the pipe dude comes in. So she says that she was hoping that if she stood in front of it, the metal beast would say something and tell her why she's there. And the dude's like, you know, it's like, I don't care. I'm just, I just thank my lucky stars that you chose this place. And, you know, he understands that if she wants to go back, but she says she's happy there. And, you know, she's not scared about what the Bureau is becoming because, like, you know, what if her destiny was to take the sisterhood away to a safer place? He's like, well, you know, it doesn't look like there's enough room in there or whatever. He's like, you know, maybe she's there to, to show them to bend to a better world. He's like, you know, why do they always think that something, or I think she says, you know, why do they always think something's better is just beyond her reach? She's like, what if here is better? She's like, so I'm staying. And he's like, good. And so they lean close, like they're about to kiss, but then like someone walks by. Then he's like, oh, I almost forget, I made you something. 
So it was like a little heart made from a paper clip or something like that. And she takes like, I don't know if it's an earring or something. She's like, I know just perfect place to put it. And she like opens up his shirt and she hangs it like from the top of the birdcage. In the present, Laura's trying to figure things out. And she's like, sisterhood of Dada, whatever you're after, it won't be me. And she throws a teacup into the fireplace. But then voices, you hear someone say, or maybe it will. And the fire starts like growing out of the fireplace. It's like, is a house going to burn down? But then above the fireplace, you see piffle paffle burned onto the wall. So it's like, hmm. So what 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 does that mean? So are they listening in on her? Or they, what, whatever's going on. So I I just like I said last week or whatever each week. This is, I just really enjoy this show. It's it's just I love that it's its own little thing, and it's just so weird and bizarre. And I I, I think that's what makes it so so fun. So if you have HBO Max, you should really you know watch all three seasons, or this you know the two seasons plus as as much of this as we have. Okay, then there is a Aquaman King of Atlantis. So the first episode, I, I forget, I think it's like three ep- three or four episodes. I forget how many, maybe, I think it's just three episodes. So there's like 45 minutes, and so it's on HBO Max, and it's going to be on Cartoon Network as well um, as part of the Acme Night block. So I don't think it aired yet, so this is just an HBO Max. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, it almost looks like... Kind of like, I think Steven Universe, I didn't watch Steven Universe, but the, the style, it's the first episode was directed by Keith Packes, who worked on Thundercats Roar, which I, I, I'd like to watch it sometime. I, I didn't see that. So the style, if you looked at the trailer, you know, look up Aquaman King of Atlantis, you see it's it's very different. I, I kind of like it in a way. It, it is a, the show is a little goofy, um, but not too goofy. So the the style it's it's very stylized, and what I think works about it is it, it makes it feel like it's something different. So I, I think that's that's kind of a, a cool thing. Otherwise, it would just feel like just a a regular yet another DC cartoon, you know, because there's there's so many different ones. Because like even if you look at like the Harley Quinn series, that has its own style. So I think it that makes it stand out. The fact that it looks like Amanda Connor's art, it just really you know captures that. So I, I think that it's good for this because with Aquaman, even though you got the, the movie, the Jason Momoa, you know, there's a lot of people that like it. I feel like Aquaman's just kind of like, he's not everyone's favorite character. You know, some people do like him, but I think this will help it stand out a little more. It, the style might be a turnoff for some people, but I think that if you watch it, you can kind of embrace what the show is trying to do. I, I did enjoy it. Like I said, it, it was kind of funny in a way. So that the, the humor kind of gives it this like charm. And, you know, they, they poke a little fun at, at Aquaman and stuff like that. Because, you know, the show starts off, Aquaman just became king. You know, he, he just defeated Ocean Master. So it starts, you know, they're in the, the big hall or whatever. Uh, Volko's there as the, the royal advisor. Uh, Mera's there as the princess of Zebel. I forget where she's from or something like that. And then Aquaman, the outsider from the surface world. and But the thing is, Aquaman has, like, green hair, which is just, like, kind of weird or whatever. And uh, no one, like, claps for him. So then then when he's trying to sit in a throne, which is, like, in the shape of a seahorse, he's, like, he can't he can, can't really sit in it, get comfortable. He's, like, kind of, like, all, he's, like, can we get a new new throne? And he's, like, no, it's been here forever, whatever. Because, um, you know, so things were bad before because of his half-brother, so he defeated him in combat. But then Ocean Master barges in. He wants a rematch. And Aquaman's like, didn't we just do this yesterday? And they're like, wait, it w- literally was yesterday. 
And he's like, he's like, no, he's like, I, I'm not going to fight you. He's like, I, I refuse or whatever like that. So then because he refuses, that means Ocean Master is the king. And Aquaman's like, that's, that's how this works? So Ocean Master's like, blah, blah, blah. And then Aquaman just hits him in the head with the trident. And now Aquaman is the king. Whatever. And he, he's like, it shouldn't work this way. So Volko and the lady's talking to Aquaman. He wants him to do all these things on the list that Ocean Master ignored. Like, like Outpost 7 went silent seven years ago. And Mera's like, oh, yeah, we should investigate that, whatever. So they're, they go in this vehicle, driving over. Aquaman's, like, sulking a little bit. And Mera's, like, talking and everything. But then suddenly, like, the, the water just, like, stops. The vehicle just goes, it goes out through this water, and it just, like, kind of falls. And it's just almost like a desert. And they're looking at the, the water is just literally just like standing there or whatever. He asks Mara if she can fix it with her water thing. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll just command uh, the ocean with my hydrokinetic power. And it doesn't really work. So he's like, well, Outpost 4 is just a few miles away. And she's like, well, you know, this must be why we haven't heard from it. And, you know, it must have something to do with the water. So they're walking. And then like Aquaman starting to get thirsty. He's like, oh, you know, can I get some water? And she's like, well, I don't have any. He's like, well, don't you have a, a jar there or whatever? She's like, no, this is an air jar. <laughs> and she's like, why would I carry water if we're always around water or whatever? So they don't have any, any, any water. And, you know, she mentions that outposts for like the fishier kind and you know so aquaman hopes that they didn't just dry up because you know if they had to go back and say that you know the news wouldn't be so so great so um they 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 go back and there's these they find some other people so these like fish people whatever because they or they find an oasis so they, they go in there they, they're swimming around these other like fish people like yell at them for being in their water and um they want to fight and stuff like that Aquaman ends up like using his his fish powers to talk to him. Like this big giant fish like jumps out and like smishes them and everything. They get defeated, and an Aquaman asks them if they're the people outposts for, and they like laughed or like we used to rob those rubes or whatever. So they tell the story of what happened that they were you know doing their thing stealing. Then suddenly there's a rumble and the water just disappeared. It turns out that the water disappeared about a week ago. So they they noticed they the outpost force supposed to be like on the other side of this like mountain or just little hill. They go there's just big giant drill and there's this man with like this russian accent he comes over in his vehicle and the guy says like oh lucky for you you know the drilling is easier with the water and and there's no one there besides him and his robot helpers he invites them to dinner they're at this table aquaman's eating like there's a lot of fish and he's like oh this is so good he's just like chowing down and you know mira's just like kind of now she's pouting and just kind of sitting there the, the the dude's like, oh, I'm glad you like the fish. He's like, I wasn't sure if you ate fish because you can talk to them because of the talking thing. And then um, Mira's like, so then why would you serve him fish if you didn't think? That? But Aquaman's like, you know, they uh, he's like, yeah, they eat fish because that's pretty much all there is underwater. He's like, but you can't boil them because, you know, if you're in water, you can't boil the water because it would be all over or whatever. Mm. Mira finally gets tired of waiting, and, and she's like, where's Outpost 4? And he says he has no no idea. He's like, there is no Outpost 4 or whatever. Aquaman wants to go up to this tower to get a view from up there, and the dude's like, oh, in the morning. He's like, he must stay tonight. He's like, you know, I've never had a guest, and he's got this big fancy guest room or whatever. So in the guest room, Mira wants to do plan A and start punching, and he's like, don't you mean plan B? She's like, no, you skip plan A or something like that. And he's like, you can't just you know, start punching people because they act and say suspicious thing. They sneak out um, they, you know, to try to get a look. But then the dude comes up to him and he realizes, he's like, oh, wait, you know, I, realize I do know where Outpost 4 is. And then he's, he said that 
when they started drilling, this mysterious hole appeared. So they go over, he takes them to see it, and they're like like leaning over this like thing, like looking into the hole. And then he hits a switch, so they're really on a conveyor belt. And then they, they go flying into the hole. And then uh, it like shuts behind them. So he tricked them. But where they fall in, there's like water in there. So they're like, oh, maybe it won't be so bad. Uh, but then there's like things down there. So there's like all these like things in the shadow, like moving. So it's like, are they zombie fish people? But no, it's just the townspeople from Outpost 4. They say everything was fine until the guy buried them under the sand. And they said it was about a week ago. Aquaman's like, no one's heard from you for like seven years. And one guy's like, what are you talking about? And one guy's like, you're a superhero. Can't you just fly us out of here? And Aquaman's like, with what? The little wings on my ankles? So poking fun at Namor. And he's like, you know, maybe I could just dig a tunnel. You know, it's only like 30 miles. So he digs a little bit. And then water busts in, like shoots in. And it's like the bandits. Aquaman, you know, they're, they're like ready to fight and all this stuff. But Aquaman says they should work together instead of fighting. So they prepare to attack. They have like little, you know, water breather things on there. The, the, the guy starts driving away. They follow him. The, the, he has like a, all these robots who are like hands, but they are walking around like on fingers and the other two are like whatever. So there's this big fight going on. Aquaman, at one point, he finds this big crystal and there's like a little like like a double A battery taped to it. <laughs> Um, he ends up getting captured by the robot dude. Like this big hand, like grabs him. Mara comes in, you know, because she steals the water from from Aquaman's body or whatever, and then she like makes a bat. A lot, a lot of hitting with bat. Uh, and then so they defeat the guy, and then Aquaman pulls the battery off the crystal. There's rumbling, and and dude's like, "Oh, you're all gonna die now, or whatever. Or we're all gonna die." Uh, water starts coming their way, and they have to jump into it. The robots all like sh- short circuit out. Or short out, whatever. And then uh, everyone seems okay. Outpost force is, is fine. The Russian dude is like like drowning. And then Mara makes like a water bubble around his head. The people are happy. So, you know, Aquaman saved them from the dude. Um, he brought the two, you know, the, the, the townspeople and the, the whatever, the bandits together. And uh, so they're cheering for Aquaman now. So they return back to Atlantis. You know, so they have the crystal for Volkol to study and a villain to imprison. But then they find Ocean Master on the throne again. So he's getting ready to launch an attack on the surface. And they're like, Volko, like, what the heck? And he's like, well, there isn't anything I can do. He's like, you were gone for a whole year. But it was it was really... So for somehow, they're they're measuring a day as a year because they said that, oh, I don't, it doesn't make any sense because they're like, you know, they haven't heard from Outpost 4 in seven years, but it was only seven days. And they even said it was seven days. So whatever. And then it's like to be continued. So it's like... Okay, so I mean, like I said, it was it's okay. I don't know if I'll talk about it. maybe I'll talk about it next week, the second episode. It's so it's a fun show, but it, it's it didn't like blow me away. But you know, I'll definitely watch the other one. It, it's not necessarily a show that it's like oh, it's a Thursday. I got to watch a show right away. So that's probably why I don't know if I'll talk about episode two next week. But it is uh, something fun worth watching and. And it's 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 uh, I don't know what the the show's rating is since you know everything has a rating, but it it, it does kind of seem like it's it's kind of wholesome that it could be all ages. All right, I just looked it up. It's it's TV PG, so if you have younger people, it, it, it's worth checking out. So I I would I would recommend that. Okay, and now finally, the movie feature is Halloween Kills. I I'm I'm a little torn with how I feel about this movie. So I did like it, 
And, you know, I, I rewatched uh, the last Halloween movie uh, the, the night before, the Wednesday, you know, the night before I saw Halloween Kills. And, you know, I, I think that, I, I don't know, I don't remember if they actually did it, but it, it almost feels like they filmed them back to back because they do a good job of like kind of picking up from, from where the first one lets off. Uh, it, what's interesting about this in, in general, you know, when, when the, the movie, when the last one came out, I, w- I was a little, um, a little, little put off the fact that they're like, all right, we're, we're erasing all the other Halloween movies, which in some ways is kind of good because, you know, things do get kind of, kind of bonkers and everything. But the fact that they're saying only the first Halloween movie happened. So then what that means is Michael Myers, so he killed his sister when he was six. He gets locked up. And then when he's, you know, older, he kills five people. So it's like he, you know, yeah, five people is a lot. You know, one person is too much death. But, you know, he only killed five people. So that's not that huge of a deal. You know, he's just, yeah, you know, he's a serial killer, whatever you want to call it. But then the other interesting thing is how they, they kind of did away with the, the connection to Laurie Strode. Because, you know, it, it was always that, you know, it was eventually revealed that Michael was Laurie's sister. That, you know, they, she grew up with a different family. She was a doctor, whatever, to change her name, to, you know, get away from the, the Michael Myers thing, whatever, all that stuff. So I was like, okay, by taking that away, I almost felt like, Oh, that's that's too bad because it was kind of kind of important, you know. It was, it was more of a connection and fate, or meant to be, you know, whatever like that. But on the other hand, you know, rewatching the first episode, it's like you kind of see how it almost makes Michael creepier, you know, because it always felt like he was targeting Laurie because he, for whatever reason he wanted to kill his family. But by making it random, that that kind of makes him creepier because the first movie when he it's Halloween night. And he's walking around, you know, he just walks up, he's just, he's just in the street. Then he like, looks, he sees a garage light on. He walks up the driveway, goes in there, just grabs a hammer off a workbench and then just walks in the house. Totally random person just kills him. And it's just like, holy crap. And that's what he just does. He's just randomly killing people. There's no motive. So it's not like I'm going to kill my sister and her friends. It's just like, no, he's just killing. So that kind of as a creepiness factor, it makes him like more evil because there, there is absolutely no motive. It's just like, just what, whatever. So in, in that, that aspect, it, it does make him more of a threat or more evil or whatever. It's, it's just kind of weird that, you know, Lori feels like it's her job to kill him and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's other people like, no, it's my job and everything. So as far as this movie, um, you know, I don't want to spoil too much. So I, you know, I may touch on a couple things that that you know, because there's not that much you know to, to keep secret, I guess, or whatever. But what what's interesting is the, the I where I, I'm not sure how I feel about the movie. You know, I did like it, and I think it got mixed reviews. So let me just go to that part before I start talking. It has, wow, according to this, it's at a 38% Rotten Tomatoes with 137 reviews. 5.3 out of 10. It says that Halloween Kills should satisfy fans in search of brute slasher thrills, but in terms of advancing the franchise, it's a bit less than the sum of its bloody parts. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Metacritic is at a 42 out of 100, based on 41 critics, indicating mixed or average reviews. Cinema Score gave it a B minus on an A plus F scale. 
post track, which I never heard of that, gave it a 69% positive score with 50%, 52% saying they would definitely recommend it. Uh, looks like you know some people are enjoying it, uh, whatever. My thoughts on this is I wasn't sure at some point it, it almost some things kind of get a little goofy almost because whenever you have the murders, the kills, sometimes you know they they get a little outlandish. And you know part of doing these types of movies, I think, yeah, yeah sometimes you need to be a little creative because you know if it's just a matter of this person gets stabbed. This person gets, you know, that's, it's just like the same thing. Not that we're like all craving, you know, gruesome, you know, whatever, but you kind of, that's kind of the point, you know, the escapism or whatever. Um, part of the problem when I went and saw it on Thursday preview night, whatever, there was one guy in my row a few seats down. He was laughing so loud. Like anytime someone would get killed or something happened, he would laugh. It was so annoying. I like wanted to get up and tell him to shut the f up, because like no one else in the theater was was laughing. And this guy, so I'm as I'm thinking, so this it was a, it was a distraction. I'm like, why why is this funny to you? I mean, is it funny because you you think someone dying, getting stabbed in a throat or whatever is is funny, or is it is it nervous laughter? Is it or or is it you know you just think it's so absurd? So I, I just wasn't really sure like what the heck was going on, but it, it was it was annoying. Um, so you have that now with that. I mean, but part of the laughing at like some of the other parts was was kind of making me wonder is like, OK, this little development happening. Is that just is that a bit too much? Is that is that a little absurd? So I wasn't really sure about that because there are some points that were were kind of cheesy. So Anthony Michael Hall is in the movie. Which I think is great. You know, I, I really love that he was in this, and his character, which I'll, I'll get to in just a moment specifically. But there's a lot. You know, he's he's trying to lead this charge against you know like this hunt for for Michael Myers, and sometimes like evil must die tonight. Which you know, yeah, okay, very you know that has to happen. But then it's almost like it, it's almost <laughs> kind of funny in a way. It's almost like absurd the way he says it. What happens in a movie? I thought it was going to pick up like right where the last movie picks up, but it doesn't. It actually, which I think is kind of neat, and this is something that I, I kind of applaud, and where people are saying it doesn't move anything forward, um, and it's not an over-originally creative way, but they jump back to 1978. They go back there, and what I think is, is fascinating about this, since this movie is tied to like the original Halloween movie, and you know we get like little tiny clips every once in a while, I love the fact that it goes back to 1978. So it's almost like we're seeing another another street or another moment you know something else that same night so it's almost kind of like this is like a, a deleted scene or a hidden you know hidden moment something that we didn't know that did happen so i think that's really cool and you know you're, there's stuff with what's the name hawkins or I, I forget the the one cop's name that uh you know feels like he should have done something hawkins yeah um will Patton, and uh so, you know, you, you see him 1978 when he was like a rookie cop and, you know, what happened with him, everything like that. So I, I thought that was cool. I won't go into specifics what, what happens there, but I, I really like that. And then what makes this movie a little different is in the present, we see like other survivors from Michael Myers. And I, I think that that's where it makes the movie a little different. 
it kind of adds something. So Anthony Michael Hall, and I, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, I mean, not really. Uh, he plays the little boy that was being babysat. So there's a boy and a girl, I forget their names, that were the babysitters brought them together so they can do to go to the party or whatever. So he plays the boy. The girl is also also alive because they both survived. There is a the nurse that was in the car that gets pulled out of the car, so she didn't get killed. Who else was there? There, there's a couple of other people or something like that. So what that's what I think what makes it a little interesting because you know with the other movie whatever it's just like like oh you know. Lori's the only survivor, but it's actually like no, she's not. There's some, you know the kids survived. There's some other other people survived too, so I, I think that 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 adds a different layer to it. So I think that kind of makes it interesting. But then where the movie kind of I feel goes in a little different direction from the other ones is they like kind of want to form a posse and you know they want to end evil dies tonight and they they want to hunt down Michael Myers and they want to stop him. The problem is you can't do that. So it does jump back, you know, after like the, the first scene, you know, before you see all, all the survivors, it goes back to uh, Lori's house that's like on fire. And then when the, the, the fire department go there and then, you know, they try to, you know, they, they've, they come in, into contact with Michael Myers, um, which I, I read that there was like a petition that some people wanted to, wanted them to delete the, first responders confrontation with Michael Myers. I don't, it's, it's a movie. I mean, there are lots of people getting killed by Michael Myers. I mean, there's, there's police officers getting killed. Police officers are important. You know, they're important. First responders, again, awesome. What would we do without first response? I mean, you know, they are so crucial and vital. You know, they, they do so much. Same thing goes with police officers. Same thing goes for doctors. So I think it's a bit much to say like, oh, these first responders are being massacred or whatever. That shouldn't be shown on the screen. But it's like none of these deaths in theory should be shown on the screen. So if that bothers you, don't see the movie. If you don't want to see anyone get killed. But <laughs> the, 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 so there's this whole moment. He's he's hardcore, man. And for for this group, I mean, this, this posse, they don't realize like the extent of it, but... Yeah, so it, it doesn't quite necessarily go the way they planned. But I, I do feel that, that that makes things a little interesting that you have all these people that want to try to hunt Michael in a way. So he's doing his thing, killing people. And, you know, Lori's, you know, and his daughter, they're like, you know, he's going to come to the hospital. He's coming after me. But it's like, maybe he's not. You know, is he driven? Is he, you know, feel pulled, you know, connection to Lori? Or is it just just killing? So th- there's there's a lot of... I, I feel like there, there's enough to set the movie different. But there's just like some parts where it's like the dialogue and some of the acting just comes across as a little cheesy. You, you just take that as it is. So I don't really want to get more specifics, but what it comes down to, I feel, you know, if, you, if you're a fan of the movies, I, th- I think they did a good job with it. And um, so there is going to be a, one more movie, another movie planned, uh, Halloween Ends, I think is what it is. I'm. I wonder if it's still going to take place on the same night. I mean, it could. So it, it'll be interesting to see what what they're going to do. But yeah, I, I think overall, I would say I, I was satisfied with the, with the movie. A couple parts, minor things bothered me, but you know, it it, it was a it was a fine movie. I feel I did it justice enough 
to, to make Michael Myers fans happy. So I would say, yeah, you should check it out. And if you can't, if you are unable to go to a theater to watch it, or if you don't feel safe going to a theater to watch it, it is um, streaming on Peacock for, I think, 60 days. I don't know if it's like the premium Peacock, because I think there's a premium version and a free version with ads maybe. I don't know if you can watch it on the, the free version or not, so you'd have to look into that. I, I know, I'm know i sorry if you want me to be your you know source for all information. I should I should look it up. I, I just don't have it. But yeah, so it, it's I think it's it's worth watching. You know, if you like horror movies, Michael Myers Halloween movies, you should check it out. So not the best, but it was it was pretty good. But with that, hopefully you thought this episode was pretty good. That is going to be the end of another episode. So thank you to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken because they are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to The Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I've just started talking about, I think it was 2005, All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. Great, great art, <laughs> story, dialogue. Hmm. Uh, re- yeah. Uh, so you, you'll get to hear issue two this week. And... Uh, there's there's some some questionable moments happening here. So yeah, listen to that if you, if you want to hear me kind of go through it and my reaction. And other times I talk about movies, so it's not just comics. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or seven. Why not? As ko-fi.com/gmanfromheck. Okay, so that is another episode. What's going to happen next week? There was a – oh, wait. What was um, – so next week I'm going to talk about Injustice. I actually have – thanks to Warner Brother Home Entertainment, I was sent a copy. So, I, like, I did an unboxing video so you can see, like, the box art and, and the, the disc art and all that. Haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm probably going to watch it tonight, uh, and then I'll talk about it. So it comes out on Tuesday, the 19th. So I'll talk about that next week. The movie uh, feature next week is going to be Dune. Yes, Dune's out next week. And um, I feel like there's another show. There's something. I think How I I Know What You Did Last Summer came out on Amazon. And I have no idea if that's any good or not. I don't know if I'll talk about that. I feel like there's something else that just came out that I was like, I I totally missed. But... um, We'll have Doom Patrol, Titans, Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl. I'll talk about Chuck again. Why the Last Man? See, there's just like so much to talk about. That's why these episodes are like over three hours. So we'll do all that. I don't know if I'll talk about King of Atlantis. We'll see if, if I get around to it. And uh, comics and news and all that. So thank you for listening. I hope you are doing well. Make sure you take care of yourself. Make sure you stay healthy. Make sure you stay safe. Make sure you stay happy. So, uh, you know, take care of Have a good time. Do some fun stuff. But make sure you remember to always be good to each other. 